from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, April 1st, 2016. Or is it? <laughs> and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And this week's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Yes, let's talk about this. Audible is launching actually a new audiobook called The Turn of the Screw. It's it's uh, oh. the classic book. Academy Award and Golden Globe and Emmy winner Emma Thompson is lending her immense talent and experienced voice. Oh. To Henry James's gothic ghost tale, The Turn of the Screw. This is no April Fool's joke. That's, That's really awesome. Happening. That, is, that <laughs> would be a very nuanced April Fool's joke. <laughs> like, like The Turn of the Screw is accurate, but it's actually another actress that we're not aware of. <laughs> uh, when a governess is hired to care for two children at a British country estate, she begins to sense an otherworldly presence around mm. the grounds. Are they really ghosts she sing? Or is something far more sinister at work? Yeah, too scary for Eddie. Yeah, it yeah. feels so cold. <laughs> but, but but Emma Thompson. I mean, you got you have a movie star. You know, this is this is the the you know prestige of a movie with a you know experience of a book. It's what amazing. More you <laughs> Although here here's what I was thinking about as you were talking about that is because she's one of those voices. I have particular people where I'm like, I want that person to tell me bedtime stories, yeah. and she's one of those people. So yeah. I feel like, how is anybody going to stay awake listening to this? Mine's Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear Emma Thompson and Gilbert Gottfried uh, bring Henry James's eerie atmospheric novel, The Shivery Life, head over to audible.com, sign up for one of their 30 day Audible trials, and you can uh, download it and listen for free. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and here with me in Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. Oh, hello. Hi. On the uh, Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. All the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich Reed. Present. Uh, okay, and so there's a little bit of news and some weird things going on with the cast today. Yeah, yeah, okay. I have a big announcement. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> joining us, not behind the ones and twos, around at the big boy side of the table. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah Dunlap. Feels weird. I feel like I'm pedaling the bike without the chain. And here's <laughs> here's the news. Here's the news, uh, Mr. Uh, Dunlap. Yeah. This is his last show thank on the Realm Podcast. God, thank the Lord. Oh. Our, our, pod, our <laughs> oh. podcast April prayers Fools. have been answered. Oh. Yeah. No, yeah, no April Fools. Jeremiah is moving on a, a lot sooner than we wanted <laughs> and a lot sooner than we you know expected, but he's moving on, and, and we're excited for him. Uh, he, he's got some legal trouble. As everybody <laughs> knows, as every, he's got to just take care of you. Things. As everybody knows, when Jeremiah joined us, he and some friends had been doing a kids podcast called The Sugar Crash Kids yeah. uh, for a while. And it, it's an amazing show. Oh, man. And we always knew that uh, there were big dreams around Sugar Crash Kids. Big kids dreams. And yeah. if he was here long term, that meant that those Sugar Crash dreams crashed yeah, and, nice. and, and died. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but if those dreams were to take flight, uh, he would have to leave us. Yes. And, and that is what's happening. Uh, there's some big opportunities that have opened up for Sugar Crash Kids, yeah. and Jeremiah has to uh, devote full-time attention to it. Yes. And we are a thousand percent in your corner, even though we're going to miss you immensely. This would be the best April Fool's joke, though, for real. So. <laughs> it really would be. <laughs> Just, it's next week, How? and you're back. Sugar Crash, actually, yeah. this was did not do well. No, yeah. Very, very yeah it's uh, a lot of debt, and uh, yeah, Jeremiah's actually going off the grid for a yeah. while. He's, yeah. in, he's in 
He's he's uh, got all the wrong kinds of people that he owes money to right now. Yeah. So it's just best we've all decided for Jeremiah to lay low for a bit and uh, so this whole thing blows over. I feel uh, blowing over, though. I feel like I'm not going to be here to catch what Eddie, you know, spews onto the mic every week. So I'm really <laughs> interested to see how the show tanks <laughs> yeah. now with Eddie's content being unfiltered. Maybe Th- there is a little bit of fear when <laughs> you're not behind it. You know, right. like when you were the new guy, you know, we had to watch it because, yeah. right. you know, you're learning the system. Right yeah. now. Yeah. You know that you're gone. There's going to be another so new you, person, and I'm I'm scared again. So you're saying <laughs> Jeremiah is has perfected his goalie skills? For you. <laughs> yeah, Nothing gets into the net that shut. That's what you're saying. Let's talk about some of your favorite memories of me and Joy and Jesse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll roast you. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I can't think of anything I've, en- I've enjoyed with you guys. It's been awesome with Cameron. Every yeah, week has been, been great. Nice, yeah. yeah. The 10 year anniversary show. That oh, was pretty much year anniversary. Hey, remember show? how the tech didn't work? Oh man, that was the best. Remember you so were supposed fun. to be on stage and then at the last minute we told you you had to sit in the booth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like my whole life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, remember when we used to make fun of your old band all the time? That was oh, hilarious. Gosh. That had yeah. nothing to do with me leaving. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, that's definitely, totally cool. that definitely wasn't the main reason. I will say I'll miss making jingles every week. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've made a couple yeah. for sugar crack kids they all pale in comparison content wise because most of what the jingles are that here mm-hmm. have gotten just very literal and what my descriptions of you yeah. know like but, but you <laughs> this s- is a thing that is happening this right is yeah time here. <laughs> yeah which has been my favorite joke that no one's really noticed but jingles have become literally just me very in detail description saying <laughs> oh, what's about noticed. to happen yeah. the last yeah. jingle was three paragraphs long can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if i say something serious about jeremiah can one of you please then pick up afterwards and sure. start the roast again okay because oh. i don't want this to last too long oh uh, here we go Oh, oh, you got the music? I no, I just want to say, <laughs> shut up, forget it. No, I don't want to do it. Forget it. No, you've done a very good job on the show. And you one really of the have. things about being on the podcast together is like the thing that makes I like this all work is that we're all actually friends and we all like each right. other and we all like actually enjoy each other's company. And so the weird thing about someone new coming in is always like, oh, is it going to change the vibe? Because like Chad or she's the worst. Though. She was the worst. Yeah. But also he's like a good friend. <laughs> but you immediately assimilated right into it. Yeah. And you're just so super talented. It will be hard to see you go and move back and work at Toys R Us and do whatever you're doing. <laughs> but like, like, you know, you did a very good job. We're very proud of you. Thank you. Thank very you. Proud, very proud. And Eddie just passed out from saying the first nice thing that Jeremiah's ever said. Oh, yes. If, very kind, Eddie. I know he didn't mean any of it. Yeah, Remember that time you edited Joy out of the whole show? Yeah. <laughs> that was a memory. That was, that was, a, that that was a master stroke. That was a great... <laughs> they, you know what we need to do? This should be an episode like on sitcoms when they would just run out of material. <laughs> yeah. We right. just like play... Remember that one time and then play the whole episode? I, you know, having done this for not the podcast per se, but like doing this with teams yeah. and yeah. for 16 years, change is hard. It's yeah. it's scary. I'll tell you this, though. What I, The one thing I've learned is... I believe God orders our steps. Yeah. And just like God was opening doors for Jeremiah's next season and ordering his steps toward that thing, God's ordering the steps of the perfect person to this show. Yeah. And I have complete confidence because for 16 years, that's been proven true. Yeah. yeah. And everybody will put their own stamp on it and it will evolve. Things will change. You put yeah. your stamp on the show right. and uh, just added jingles. a lot of fun stuff. Right. Just jingles. Um, and the next season will be a little different. Absolutely. But... I'm not worried about it. Yeah, you came oh. here. That was no, fun. No, I'm ex- I didn't know I'm you. Excited. Yeah, I'm we... worried for you. Yeah, like what? But I'm not worried for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. Me too. To be real. <laughs> so Mindy. You, you and my wife are both really worried about this choice. <laughs> that sweet, that sweet, sweet woman yeah. did not sign up for all this. <laughs> she thought, yeah, finally, Jeremiah's got a nice, steady job working yeah. in town, and now we're back to Panama. Going back out yep. on the road with sophomore. That's what this is. Coming to a library near you. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So people are probably wondering who's pushing the buttons. Who's What's illustrious? Who's illustrious? It today? So so we it's, have a we have a plan, folks. There's a thing. Uh, remember uh, John David Snavely? He's yeah. not doing it. He's yeah. busy. We've got other things going on. No, he's got internet. Uh, it just so happens that there is a uh, a producer in town uh, who's highly accomplished and also unemployed. Yes, and oh. had the margin <laughs> to uh, come and help us out in the yeah. interim. For uh, and welcome to the show, our interim producer, my brother Chandler Strang. Ooh, hey. good. Good. Ch- Chandler, can I just say you sounded very enthusiastic with that? Hey, <laughs> yeah. well, most people know don't. Chandler's just a really cool guy, and yeah. that's his normal case. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not witty or funny, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, yeah we'll it, see. it was fine with the last guy. You'll be okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> High five. Oh, okay. High five. <laughs> All right. A <laughs> little, little goodbye, Rose. <laughs> I love you. Hey, Chandler, the bar's pretty low. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I figured, you know, since he's going to be uh, steering the ship for, you know, uh, uh, a little while. Yeah. Uh, we don't know exactly how long, but. Um, you know, we should get to know him a little bit. I think so. I mean, yeah. I know him pretty well. Yeah. I but if you guys have a couple questions, I thought maybe if you each wanted to ask him one question and then the show can move on. One yes. question? One question each. I have one question and then one science question. Okay, so I'd that's like a fine. Go question. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, the first question is just tell us everything about yourself. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, that's, I don't know, man. I'm 28. Yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, 28. I'm unemployed. Millennial. Yep. Well, now I'm employed. Not anymore. He's a musician. Yeah. I play, I play oh. music. What kind of music? Uh, well, I have two bands. Dream pop and oh. indie, you know, and uh, yeah, deep country. Yeah, deep deep country. Yeah. Now, are you planning on using this as a platform? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're going to use this yeah. as a platform to like talk about your band all the time. I'm going to take up what uh, Jeremiah is leaving off with uh, <laughs> mentioning my bands at least once an episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really smart. Your Bandcamp page. Yeah, I'd yeah. say. Well, I mention it at least. W- Eight times and camera makes me cut it down to yeah, once. Right. Yeah, we have a, we have a ratio. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, Outside of music, what do you enjoy doing? That's about it. That's it. That that's is great. It. No, if you go over life. to his house, literally his entire living room is nothing. Is like you walked into a recording studio. Yeah, basically. Like there's nothing I don't else. Have, I don't like have furniture or anything. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. What right. do you sleep on? Good question. I have a bed, but I don't have... He sleeps on uh, a piano. Yeah. L- literally yeah. just like curls up. <laughs> the strings of a piano. <laughs> I, have a bed, I, have a couch. I do not have a dining room table or anything. That's, you don't need uh, that. I have drum, drums there. You have drums and a tape machine. You're yeah. doing fine. Do you eat Hot Pockets on drums? Great question. Um, I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're a real musician then. Yeah. He's a real musician. Are yeah. you nearsighted or farsighted? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I actually just got my eyes examined oh. yesterday. So, oh, man. Um, okay, this is nearsighted. important. Now, now that he yeah, has it. Hold on, hold on. He, you're nearsighted. Yeah. This is important well, to know. This, this mm-hmm. is important. Can you see magic eye pictures? <laughs> you're going to settle something here. Can, have you ever seen a magic eye picture? A what? A magic Ma- eye. Those 3D <laughs> pictures where they pop out. He, he actually is. Oh, hey. no, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Okay, oh. okay. First of all, I would like to comment on the magic eye. I didn't eye. know they were called that. Magic eye. Yeah. Uh, Joy very kindly sent me a book of yeah. the magic eye stuff for my birthday. Yeah. Just to rub it in that you can so see it. So I took it home, had it on my coffee table. I yeah. have a community group in my house. It was yeah. about 25, 30 people who come, most of which are under the age of 30. Right. Okay. I'm telling you, people, people were going, what is that? <laughs> like what everybody like well, all the like college mid 20s everybody was like what what is that what and i'm like well you see these wow. things and they're like why and i was like you've never heard of these the, the posters the blind Seinfeld, the bathroom. blind, blind yeah, lighting the blind next time here. bring up a team at your group yeah. Yeah. Hey, can i just say this blank. can i well, well, i want to hear the outcome of that but too if there if magic eye is a publicly traded company 
buy stock in it now, people, because yeah. it is on the verge of a comeback. We have a whole generation yeah. that, that, you know, it, the thing about Magic Eye, it, it, it was a shooting star. It burned hot and fast. This is, it's going to be a slow burn for millennials. So what did any of your millennial? No, sh- it, not one of them oh. saw it. And, and they even read the instructions of how to do it and all that stuff. And they, a couple of them were really determined to make it. Not one of them could see it. Yeah. Well, and I'd say probably seven well, or eight I'll people tried. I'll tell you tried. why they couldn't. They're they're too young. They don't know how to sit still. They expected the the book to do something for them. Actually, I kind of agree. But my idea, Jesse, I think you're right about the resurgence because it's our generation that had such fond feelings, minus Cameron, for them. That now we're having kids. If Jeremiah on your on your new venture with children stuff, come out with. A children's version of Magic Eye. Yeah, give them our all migraines. Will buy it for our kids, it'll explode. <laughs> yeah, a millionaire. Baby migraines. I think what Joy did was send you a fake Magic Eye book. So I don't think any I think of it was those. defective. That's yeah, funny. no, no, <laughs> wouldn't that be a that's great awesome. joke? Did you look? That would be a funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> <That> was, yeah. <laughs> no yeah, one steal my great, idea. That's I a very it. high-minded April Fool's thing with very with like a lame payoff. It's yeah. all it's just QR codes, or right? It's, it's just it's just weird digital prints, and you just and someone spends about forty-five seconds unsuccessfully trying to see it. So, yes. That's that would be great just to get back at all the people yeah. who over the years have been able to see it, rubbed yeah. it in my face that I couldn't see it. I'm going to hang broken ones framed <laughs> in my home that don't work. Yes. Hey, but, then, but are you going to walk by them? Are you going to walk by I, them I, when I, you have guests and be like, I'm yeah. sorry. That's what I'm saying. I and this. I will act like I see it. it I'll tell them what it is and then they'll be the ones who can't see it. It's like an emperor's new clothes. You don't don't see the uh, unicorn jumping over the American flag uh, in the battleship? Whoa. I actually listened to the first time you guys talked about this on the show and I was talking back to you because there was a magic eye in the mall that I would walk by every single time and could not see it and all my friends that I was with in Seminole Mall could see it and it's still an issue because magic eye was huge and I can I have never. Me either. They've all been like, oh my, and they, were like, they would see it in real time. They're walking and they're just like, a sailboat. <laughs> and of course, I lie and I'm just like, no, right? I've never seen one of them. Okay, anyways, can I have my question for Chandler now? Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Chandler, what is an early memory you have of a fight with Cameron and what were the circumstances? Ooh. Oh, you can get um, real. We've heard all about your family. Well, Cameron liked to tickle me a lot when I was a kid. Still do. But like violently, like it was yeah. painful. Oh, yeah. Like it, it, I yeah. didn't know whether to cry or laugh. My older brother did that. Down. He's the worst. He does it to Eddie all the time yeah. now. Yeah. What a weird... Is your... Yeah, there's a lot I, of tickle fights. I remember one time, uh, Cameron, he was holding me from behind. Yeah. And um, I wasn't in the mood for it. Yes, and right. I was at the right height where my heels could, could easily connect Uh-oh. with a, oh. a, you know... Other region. Sensitive. Right. Area. And you're like, this so, is my so 25th just, birthday party. I'm doing what I want. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it turned it turned really negative. We're, yeah. we're 11 and a half years apart. You got to okay. do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah, you guys are like different generations. Yeah, yeah I was maybe yeah. four or five. At okay, the time. Yeah. I've got. Can I do my question for oh, Jesse? Does and he was like 15 or 16. Yeah, he, yeah. I remember. Got I remember. It. Um, it got violent. So I, I've got that an, is great. I've got an older brother who's similar age apart as mine. Did he ever pretend to throw you off a bridge? Because or like, or like, like he was going to throw you off a bridge? Because my brother would pick me up, be like, "I'm gonna throw you off. I'm gonna do it." 
And it uh, to this day still irks me. Like I still have I nightmares so. about yeah. the fear that I felt. He drives around bridges. He doesn't go over them. <laughs> Ch- Chandler, uh, have you ever been uh, forcibly removed from any sort of establishment, dining or otherwise? If so, what were the circumstances? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I have not, fortunately. Well, that's not. disappointing. Yeah. So, is your older brother a pirate? Because mm. that is my situation. Is he? Is no, your, his yes. older brother literally is a pirate. Yeah. So is like. Is Cameron, um, he's like he, an internet pirate? Or? No, 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 no. He's, 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 he's in the Pirates Guild. National oh. Pirates Guild. Like a well, yo-ho-ho. What, what ho. For, professionally, right. he pillages? Uh, he plunders. Uh, <clears throat> he plunders. He's more of a plunderer. Do they wear the outfits? Because we have yes. we have clubs like in Portland where people dress up in full-on pirate gear. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't play, be a part like, of the Pirates Guild and, and show up in a button-up. So it's know? like LARPing or Civil War reenactments. Yeah, but, but a for, little more intense for, and as older people. Everything you know, is like it's, it's not It's not young, like, you know, millennials trying to be, like, funny pirates. It's like right. people in their 60s. Oh, let me just say this. Let me say this. I saw a family of pirates on Swap one time. Really fascinating. It's probably on YouTube. Check it out if you're more interested in this culture. I watched the whole thing. So, uh, yeah. But this is about Chandler, not pirates. How did we get up? Oh, because your brother. All right. <laughs> uh, any other questions for Chandler before we move the show along? Uh, what's the over under until you go and start your own kids podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about this? How about this? Were you in any bands that have an embarrassing name in hindsight? Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, in high school, I was in a band called Last Adam. It was, oh. a, it was a Christian hardcore band. Nice. A- a- ADAM That's- or ATOM? Like last, like Jesus is the last Adam. So yeah, ADAM. It went there, I was going to say the Adam would have been really cool. ATOM. How yeah. many bands have you been a part of? Righteousness is a gift. Maybe six or seven. What do you play? Like every year? I play drums to start with. I play guitar in all the bands I play now. If a church is going to hire him on a Sunday morning, it's to play the drums. Yeah, right. That's what I play. Yeah. But is it? But if a bar is going to hire him, it's to play the turntables. Right. The one man. I do DJ as well. He does DJ. I forgot to mention that. Really? Can you like scratch and stuff? Uh, no, not that no, kind of. I, I mean, I can mix, but yeah. like not like wow. not like turntablist. So from now on, all the DJing. music will be live for the show. Right, DJ, he's going to DJ in the background. <laughs> I mean, we could do that. If that you would wanted. be totally rad. That would be so amazing. Uh, follow up question, Chandler: When you do play drums at a church, do you prefer to be inside the clear glass case or oh. outside? Uh, yeah. Inside, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. of course. Sure. Why? Uh, well, you wear in ears, so you can't hear the drums anyway. Yeah, and uh, it keeps people from from complaining about the. It the also volume. keeps people from like bomb rushing you because like everyone yeah. wants to be on stage with Chandler. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But uh-huh. I was gonna say, why not? Why not just go with the coolest solution, which is those cool hexagon electric drums? Yeah. I actually have a set of those. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, but they're they're shaped like triangles. You need to use those. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna uh, slow it down here. This <laughs> this is the heart of worship. <laughs> Chandler, can you count us off? Sure thing. So you've seen me play before. Okay, do you have any nicknames? No, not really. Yeah, neither do I. Neither of us had nicknames. Yeah, you're probably gonna get one. Have them by the end of this show. Sounds good. Chanandler Bong. Well, I mean, yeah, that's Chandler Bong. Chanandler Bong. It's a friend's reference. It's actually Mrs. Chanandler Bong. Every white girl I've ever met makes that that reference. Yep. Well, Chandler, like like the list. Add me to the list, homie. I'm gonna call you Chitty Chitty Chan Chan. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Did, did you guys see how uh, uh, Friends is making a huge comeback among millennials? Like that they're saying that the numbers of millennials who are watching Friends like rival <laughs> some of the numbers when the show was on originally in primetime. 
it, you know, I know we were. I know I made a disparaging comment about friends. Oh, I know we got a lot of feedback. We got <laughs> Which a I don't lot care. of feedback. So but but was, that, was that the scenario, Cameron, at your house? They're just like throwing the magic eye book down. They're like, I can't see this. Let's watch Friends. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. How are they? How are they against magic eye? Something truly innovative. But they're all about friends. They're not which is, against it, Jesse. They had no idea what it was. They never heard of it. Well, that's the thing. It takes patience. It's a lot of things <laughs> in life. And this is the thing. I'm a millennial, so <laughs> I can say this. Hey, some things in life take work. This is an analogy for our generation. Some things in life take hard work. They take a headache. They take looking stupid in a mall trying to see a sailboat. But you know what? The payoff will blow your mind. That's the lesson of the hour. What's next? We, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, we talked to Jamie Twardkowski, the founder of To Write Love and Arms. He's a friend. Uh, right now, they are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their organization. Can you believe that? 10 years ago. Uh, back in spring of 2006, they started. Um, tomorrow, uh, from when the show comes out, uh, they will be having their heavy and light show mm-hmm. that they do uh, to celebrate the 10 years. And uh, so he comes on, and, and it was a great, it was a fun conversation. It's a pretty long segment because I really wanted to find out like the real story of how he went from just being a guy who was rallying his friends at his church to help a friend out, you know, yeah. get, get, uh, get help and raise some money, how that turned into quitting your job and starting a nonprofit that's now been going for 10 years when he never really even set out to do that. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing. And there's a lot of people who listen to this show who have dreams like that. They're, you know, maybe they feel stuck in a day job and they have dreams of like stepping out, taking big risks, starting their own kids podcast, <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And uh, <laughs> hearing Jamie's story is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and the work that they're doing to raise awareness and help people who are suffering with depression and anxiety uh, is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and uh, it's a great conversation. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, some people may be aware, but you know, even in the early days, Relevant got to be a little part of that story early uh, on, which is pretty big part know. of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also coming up, we have an in studio performance by an awesome band, uh, Run River North. Yeah, L.A. based indie pop outfit that came through the studio last week and recorded Super some good. some awesome songs. So yeah. uh, stay tuned for that as well. It's a good show. Yeah, really good show. Good show. Going out on a high note there, Dunlap. That's right. I'm glad it wasn't last week because was that a rough one? No, that <laughs> was a disaster. <laughs> I gotta just say, I'm still chuckling inside that Chandler's response to my question was, "Yeah, every white girl I've ever met says that same joke to me." <laughs> <laughs> that was a really great instant burn, which, but totally factual, and I am. T- I was really proud of that. Man. Chandler, if you do nothing else this show, I'm really proud of you. I just want to say that. Don't ask say you. you're not funny. You're hey, funny. Just, just if you ever want to get back at him for that, yeah. he doesn't like tickling. It's just, right. just yeah. Well, we already found that out. Hey, 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 Eddie, hey, Eddie, I got a great idea. After the show, tickle him and then threaten to throw him off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Channing Tatum does not like that. All right. Well, move this show along. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Last week was uh, Easter. Yeah. Christians were celebrating it's left big, and right. It's a big deal. It's a big day. Almost all of them. Yeah. Almost all of them, including Kanye West. On Easter Sunday, he released uh, a song called Ultralight Prayer uh, to SoundCloud oh. on Easter Sunday. It, it, the track's like a rework, kind of standalone version of the Kirk Franklin prayer uh, on that song, Ultralight Beams. Yes. So he kind of took it off, got, got Kelly Price's vocals and, and yeah. released it. Here's a clip of Ultralight Prayer. If all God's children would get down on their knees and pray... And give up all of those things that pull our hearts away. 
you will forgive all of our wrong and make us brand new again. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a little surprised by how cool that is. <laughs> it works That's... surprisingly well as like a standalone song. It's only like a minute or so, but yeah. still, it's a pretty cool little, uh, uh, you know, song. I think it ultralight uh, beams, even if you don't have Pablo, which, by the way, is releasing to streaming outlets next week. Is so. it really? Yeah. Oh, oh Mr. Taking a yeah. Stand. Ooh, but they did to- say they did release some numbers, and they're pretty impressive that it was something like uh, two and a half million people signed up uh, the title to wow. to get Pablo. So wow. I think it, it was still a success, but it'll be heard much wider in the, in the coming weeks. But all that to say is this is a really cool uh, little standalone song that I released to SoundCloud. In case you missed it, uh, the first trailer for the upcoming Ewan McGregor film, Last Days in the Desert, yeah. has been released. Uh, yeah. We've seen it. We've screened it here at, at the office, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's coming out on May 13th. In it, Ewan McGregor plays Jesus yep. and the devil. And really interesting. It's like an art house film. It is not like Noah yeah. or some big right. epic. It is uh, the the cinematographer who did The Revenant and Birdman, the, and Birdman oh. shot it. Okay. It's unbelievable. Oh, and, and it's like very little dialogue yeah and it's moving and it's it's not um it's only five people in it yeah exactly there's five people in it and and uh people were like well you know it's taking dramatic license well of course it is i mean it's like 40 days of things happened and it's like what one chapter so it's like you know it's an extra biblical you know narrative It's it's kind of like his his journey from after his fast, his 40 days fast, when he's heading back into Jerusalem. Yeah, it's, it's like toward the end of it. Yeah. It's like in that in little in-between section. And it was really mm-hmm. powerful and compelling. I liked it when a lot. You, when you think about that story, because it's a relatively minor part of the gospel in terms of like the length of it, it's pretty incredible spending 40 days fasting in the desert. 40 days is a long time. Now, just to be alone by yourself in the desert, much less fasting. And so it's, it's, I feel like it's cool to see a, a more subtle take on a biblical story. Uh, that's uh, has more of a psychological. It was, edge. A, it was and, a Sundance film. I mean, that's yeah. where it kind of kind of well, got the buzz last year. So also, there's not enough movies anymore where one person is playing two characters, right? Because <laughs> like, Nutty like Professor, Freaky Friday, yeah, right. Nutty Professor ruled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that movie was the best. And Norbit. now Jesus in a in a Lindsay Lohan devil. actually makes a cameo in this film. Yeah, yeah playing. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make that joke because I feel like I'm just going to get in trouble. But, you know, <laughs> like, I just She like plays movies. Mary Magdalene and the Mother Mary. Yeah. That was my exact Mary joke. Mary Mary. Yeah. That was my exact and joke. It's called Mary Mary. Mary Mary. Yeah. Mary, Mary. <laughs> that was my joke. Well done. Oh. Now you get in trouble. That was Cameron Strang. <laughs> At Cameron Strang. That was not I love me. it that the two examples you gave were Norbit and a Lindsay Lohan. Film. No, the uh, Nutty Professor. That was okay. the best. Uh, I hope nothing's wrong with Oprah. Oprah was a fox. Lost all that weight. Got herself a big, strong, tall gentleman named Stanley. <laughs> but you're really only referring to one scene in The Nutty Professor, which is the table scene, which, by the way, if I were to watch that movie again, I think I would just re- instead of watching the whole Nutty Professor, I would just watch the dinner table scene. I, I, like watch, I watch it once a week. times in a row. Yeah, I watch the table scene <laughs> once a week. It's the best. Here is Last Days in the Desert. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. Ain't everybody supposed to be the same size. We're supposed to be all different. Big, small, medium, midget. She's supposed to have all of that. I don't know what it is. Everybody won't be the same size. Like that Oprah Winfrey. She gonna lose her weight. Wasn't nothing wrong with She was fine. Oprah was a fine. <laughs> Definitely go see it. Yeah, that's really Play multiple pa- characters. Very powerful. <laughs> Ewan McGregor's range is unbelievable. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> you 
Nobody got to look lose weight. Look at me. <laughs> I'm hungry. I, you know, I had read online some early reviews. They said it really played up the family conflict yeah. in the New Testament story. Mm. I didn't know that's the direction they were taking it. Oh, and, and for some reason, I thought Jesus fasted. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. He's there at the table. He's the one not eating. Yeah. And the yeah. temptation Jesus, is the rest okay, of them. So, so, so <laughs> in this scene, you and McGregor is sitting silently while yeah. everyone argues about food. Yeah, I that's got right. Yeah, you walk yeah. over, but you limp back. <laughs> you can't hear Lindsay Lohan's voice, but she's there. <laughs> um, uh, more Easter news. Chris Pratt on Easter uh, posted some step-by-step instructions on Instagram of how to erect a giant cross. Yeah. Uh, Pratt and two of his buddies were shown putting a 20-foot steel cross in an undisclosed location in the desert on Easter. Ewan McGregor was in the background. Yeah. Um, he's been vocal about his faith in the past. Uh, on, over Christmas, he visited a children's hospital with Russell Wilson and Sierra. Yeah. Uh, and on Instagram then, he wrote, uh, say a prayer for all those kids who don't get to be home for Christmas. Uh, and he put Psalms 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Also, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's like the ultimate geocache, isn't it? Like, take a picture with that cross. Like, yeah. where is it? Oh, well, that's snap. the thing. There was no location right. on there. I did some Googling when I was, <laughs> you know, researching this one, and th- no one seems to uh, have an, an idea of the location, but it's a large cross. I mean, it's not like it's hidden. It's definitely out somewhere on the side of a hill because it's massive. Well, I mean, I, I mean the, the, the L.A. surrounded by desert. I mean, Ewan McGregor's right. film, Last Days in Desert, was shot three hours outside of L.A. Nutty Professor, I think, was at Berkeley. I'm not <laughs> right. sure. I think that's where he taught at. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of desert around there, so if if you're in Southern California, just go take a little road Get trip. a metal detector. I, I just wonder about the permission. Like the all, all I was thinking is like, did they just hatch this the night before Easter and just thought it would be a cool thing to do and just drive out to the desert? Are you allowed to do that? I mean, you can do anything in the desert. Have you seen, um, what's that movie? Uh, Leaving Las Vegas? Breaking Bad. A lot yeah. happens in the desert. A lot happens yeah. in the desert. I saw yeah. Breaking Bad. Like yeah. murder stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think no. is the reason for the him putting the cross where he did? I think he and it. I think it's like his buddies that are in like a like a accountability group or like spiritual friends that mm-hmm. they were talking about it and they were talking about some physical way to celebrate Easter and I think they like I when I saw like it's it, a I'm monument like, to their faith. But I'm like when I saw that I was like, man, I could totally get behind doing something like that, like building something in our garage that's epic that takes time and makes you think about it, and then on Easter going out and doing like a real physical labor intensive thing like burning that, man right <laughs> kind of but not <laughs> yeah. but like totally you know yeah. i could i thought it was actually pretty neat yeah it's pretty neat yeah, yeah. It, it, he seems like the type of dude that would pull off a random you know move like that and do you guys hear he's got a new movie coming out i think we have a clip can we play it real quick hey hey hey, hey. what's wrong with you you supposed to eat that thing not scalp it well daddy all uh calories in the chicken are found in the skin and in the fat so i feel what you're talking about that's where all the fat and calories is you know where that come from watching that tv Every time you turn it on, they got somebody in there talking about lose weight, get healthy, get in shape, get everybody looking all anorexic. <laughs> <laughs> in case you missed it, Gary Shandling passed away. Oh, yeah. man, I was so bummed. That's yeah, sad. No, I, like, I think it was the beginning of a great generation of uh, oh, man. actors and comedians that we grew up on yeah. passing away. They're getting, they're getting toward the end. I was really sad. The Larry Sanders show yeah. was like the birthplace of really, of all the comedy that we 30 liked, Rock right? wouldn't have existed without the Larry Sanders Judd show. Judd Apatow, it was one of his earliest writing jobs was on that show, and he like cut his teeth there. And, and I've been watching through the whole Larry Sanders. I just finished season one. It is an incredible it show. It holds up. Oh, it is so good. I, I, mean, well, it I clearly it has a little bit of nineties in it, and it's kind of funny, like the outfits. But the comedy is like Sh- sharp. super sharp. Well, well the, th- th- the thing is, it reinvented the it re 
like imagine what the sitcom form could be. Absolutely. Because like, think about track. when it happened. It's almost like you have to put yourself in the context of Star Wars in 1976. Yeah. Back then, sci-fi was Buck Rogers. Right. So Star right. Wars was groundbreaking for the era. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what was so groundbreaking. Think about sitcoms in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. They were laugh tracks. They were single. You know, they were the in a set with a live studio audience. They were cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was like single camera, yeah. and then went behind the scenes. It was amazing. And you know that he was offered the same day he was offered the uh, I think the because Let- Letterman had just moved to CBS. Gary Shanley was offered the Letterman show and Larry Sanders. So he sat there and had the decision to make in a day: Do I do an actual talk show? After Leno, or I guess at that point it's after Carson, or am I going to do the a fake Carson? A fa- and I'm fake. And he went with he went that route and changed comedy. It was awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Um, well, in case you don't know Larry Sanders show because you are so young, you don't know what a Magic Eye book is. Uh, <laughs> HBO Go is making the entire show available now. Hey now. Um, shortly before Gary passed away, he struck a deal to bring his classic sitcom back to the platform. Yeah. Uh, the show ran from 92 to 98. If you don't know, it's a, it's about a fictional late night talk show, but it goes behind the scenes a lot like The Office or 30 Rock does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a little more adult, we should say that, because it is on HBO, so yeah. there's some adult things yeah. in it. But kind of like what they did Big with hair, the big lapels. The, the yeah, Muppets yeah. come back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Brett's yeah. exactly right. The yeah, the, <laughs> the edgy Muppets. <laughs> I did not like I did not like that. I saw like one or two, and I was like, okay. I mean, but like the joke is like, they're living like adults. I mean, but it was right. like, okay, I don't need to keep watching this. I don't right. actually care I, about. I liked feeling like a kid when I watched the Muppets, but still laughing at the adults. That song will be stuck in everyone's head all day. Well, that'll do it for my in case you missed it. Jesse, what happened on the site this week? Yeah, so uh, there's a we had a lot of great content. Uh, one that I think people uh, will dig checking out is uh, a piece we ran called "You Should Be Taking More Risk," and it looks at uh, the the benefits of really taking calculated risk in your life, like running uh, across busy intersections, stuff like that. Right, playing. Yeah, I mean, in real I mean, we're, we're talking about taking your life in your hands here. Yeah. Uh, just, just running out into traffic to see no helmets uh, on the motorcycle right. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, up children, you know, dangling them over bridges. Because <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, in a generation that came out of uh, difficult economic times with a lot of uh, of different factors, uh, you know, there a lot of student debt. There is a tendency for people to want to play things conservative. But uh, one reason uh, I think this uh, uh, piece is challenging because it specifically talks to Christians and talks about the relationship uh, about trust in God and our calling and risk in our lives, which is a message that I feel like isn't really talked about that much because there is a tendency for people to want to give the safe advice uh, not necessarily the advice that uh, incorporates some risk. So encouraging piece, I, uh, Encourage people to go check it out. You should be taking more risk. It's up right now. I would say Jeremiah Dunlap is living this out. Yeah. I'm not saying what you're doing is risky. I'm saying, but you are stepping out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, I mean, if you don't step out, like, how can your dreams happen? I am stepping into something that's kind of unknown. You know, like we know that there's a lot of possibility, but if we don't kind of... It's it's all about if we don't take the risk, then nothing will ever happen. I, yeah, so I mean, starting relevant was a huge risk. I yeah. mean, the, I mean, I I think anything worth something is worth you know. Yeah, uh, I agree. Risk. That's awesome. Go I actually read that article. I really liked it. There you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for. In case you missed it, it's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out on Friday, April 8th. Ben Harper is back. Ben oh. Harper and the Innocent Criminals with Call It What It Is, uh, which is an album. Um, <laughs> he was on our cover back in the day. Yeah, he was one of the he first kind of like mainstream guys talking about faith that uh, 
I like him. Chandler, do you like him? Uh, Too I, young. I do remember him being on the cover, but I don't think <laughs> oh, I ever listened to Channing his music. Oh, Tatum. Mm-hmm. You were like so 13 sorry. then, so. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Frightened Rabbit's coming out with a painting of a panic attack, which is why uh, what Eddie had yesterday, yeah. which is why we weren't able to record oh, yeah. on well, it. Well, for, for, for a lot of people, that's a magic eye because they can't see it. They think <laughs> a painting of a panic eyes. attack. That's yeah. funny. Very yeah. nice. But Frightened Rabbit is a great brand. I love that band. M83 is coming out with Junk. Oh. I mean, their album is called Junk. I'm not saying oh, that. Okay. That's not my review of the album. <laughs> mm-hmm. just saying, you know. Wow, that was. Uh, let's hear a clip. <laughs> <laughs> won't Won't Pitchfork be so proud of themselves though when they review it and they're like one word junk? Okay, okay, nice. Unfollow. <laughs> Chandler, thoughts yeah. on DC Talk? Just real quick. Um, <laughs> Jesus Freak was actually this is interesting. Jesus Freak was one of my favorite songs in the mid '90s. Well, well, but. Cameron <laughs> told my mom that I shouldn't be allowed to listen to it because you couldn't understand some of the lyrics. And so oh, I wasn't allowed to listen to it. that. Oh, interesting there is twist. Because of Cameron. There is oh. A, but, but, oh, here, okay, hang <laughs> on. The objection was that they weren't singing clearly enough. Yeah. And so they might so they might be saying something bad or he just didn't yeah, think yeah, that it, that was it, good it might production. might not be right. edifying. I saw so. a man with a tat on his bit. Right. It's hard to understand when he's right. doing it really fast. Yeah, yeah. And it wiggled around like marmalade jelly. Like, yeah. who knows yeah, what that means? Exactly. It, right. you know? it took right. me a while. It's inappropriate. Yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely. It took me a while. It's, it's like, made, he made it's the, right like the new Muppets. It's, yeah. it's, it's not appropriate right. for children. I love that this moment right here of you saying that you liked DC Talk will now determine that Eddie will always be nice to you as opposed to Jeremiah. There must have been some moment where Eddie decided his brain f- i don't like jeremiah yeah. so so chandler did you hide dc talk uh, sure cds did. under your bed because yeah. i if you did i, did, I, I gotta, I gotta back. say yeah, man. i hope you don't take that, this the wrong way that the thing, an audio adrenaline that is the lamest thing ever yeah, <laughs> the, the thing that channing tatum doesn't know was he was standing there at a fork in the road and he had no idea what an important fork it was but now best friends for life right you made the right call <laughs> you, you did it well done channing uh, also going out the Lumineers with Cleopatra, and I am so excited about this one. Gallant, his yes. LP Ology is coming out. Ology, Ology. I understand. <laughs> Just trust me, it's gonna be. I'm sure it's awesome. It will be on our top ten albums of the year. I I, mean, I have literally checked iTunes like every couple of days, like hoping that they just release it early for no explained reason. Because yeah. I have like so anticipated this. Hey, album. hey guys, let's let's hear a clip. Yes, I hope nothing's wrong with Oprah. She doesn't look real. Ain't nothing wrong with Oprah. I seen Oprah on hard copy last week with a picture of hell. Got a tall, young, strong gentleman named Stedman, so handsome. <laughs> Hercules! Hercules! <laughs> All right, you got that one? <laughs> Movie's coming out on Friday, April 8th. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> the Boss, Mel- Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Bell, that one where she's the... Uh, Love her. She's the uh, kind of Martha Stewart figure, yeah. Yeah. the most powerful, richest woman in America, yeah. loses everything, rebuilds her empire through Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. So She plays one character, don't care, think it's funny every time. Yeah, yeah, me but too. The, the, the thing is, like, it has me a little nervous. Like, the marketing materials, yeah. or at least the commercials yeah. I've yeah. seen, oh, have yeah. been, like, the hardest R-rated comedy ever or something. I know. That is a little hard yeah, yeah, I'm 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 nervous that it's not going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, like like Eddie uh, dabbling in the Larry Sanders show, I have started watching um, Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh, I hate uh, that show. What? I've never seen it, I and it. I want to know why people it. are so obsessed with it. But Melissa McCarthy is in it, yeah. and Suki. an actress from Mad TV. Remember the the Mad TV lady that played the Asian woman? Yeah. You know that always go yeah. through the drive through. Yeah, yeah, but she's also she's like the voice of uh, on uh, Family Guy. Yeah, Lois. Anyways. There's some funny people in there. Yeah, the Gimmel Girls is fantastic. I know it's awesome. They just talk so fast that I am exhausted by the end it's of like the episode. D- it's like DC talk rapping. 
You don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they're devil messages they're planning in your head. That's right. All of a sudden, is it which Ewan McGregor are we listening to? Eight-year-olds should not watch Gilmore Girls. That's the lesson. Here we go. Also coming out, Hardcore Henry, Tim Roth, Charlotte Copley. It's a first action action film from the eyes of Henry. So it's like you're, it's first. like one of those like shooter oh, like games. The first like Wolfenstein. Yeah, but, yeah. Yes. But it's not a game that you <laughs> yes. can do anything. Yeah. yeah, or Doom. Oh, yeah. 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 It's two incredibly dated uh, first person shooter references. But yes, <laughs> just like we could, Even Halo 3 would have been a little bit more current. But yeah. we picked, even Halo 3, a game that's 10 years old. <laughs> we, had to, we had to pick one that had to load with us four three quarter inch floppy disks yeah. into your dad's Dell. Yeah. That's what we decided to use. You're playing. DC talk raps in yeah. the background and oh, yeah. great game though. Just love it. Yeah. I got a hot pocket. Duke, yeah. Duke, um, yeah. I'm a carnivore still. Also, also coming out, Demolition, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, uh, new film uh, about a successful investment banker struggling after losing his wife in a tragic car crash. Uh, Naomi Watts is also in it. He's someone who's always fun to watch. Even yeah, if like the movie's guy. not that great, he's always yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. Also uh, coming out, Louder Than Bombs, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, his new one. It's about oh. a fractious family of a father and his two sons confronting their f- different feelings and memories of their deceased wife and mother, Ew. a famed war photographer. I just started to not like him because I saw the Superman movie. Yeah, I know. So, oh. did y'all? What did y'all think about Superman? Versus I, here's the thing: it's I, I actually enjoy movies that aren't great. Like I'll go watch Transformers and be like, "Oh, this is fine. I'll accept first it." First one, for what, yeah. I the first one. I like. yeah. yeah, but man, it was it was rough. Ben Affleck did a great job. I want him to do well, and he did. Yeah. But the movie was just kind of... The best thing about that movie was that clip that made <laughs> the rounds on the internet of sad oh Ben Affleck gosh. doing yeah. the interview. Yeah. I, I mean, it just forever branded that film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And that was, yeah, man, the film was rough. And Jesse Eisenberg was super annoying. You know, it was just like a bad version of Mark Zuckerberg meets he, the Joker. He is kind of a one-trick pony, isn't yeah. he? And to to a to a fault of his, like he's got right. like, a tone that is so inescapable. And that's the thing, though. When it works, it it's Nicolas Cage. Right. When yeah. it works, it totally works, and it's it's awesome and, and fun to watch, but when it doesn't, it's just a train wreck. Channing Tatum, what do you think about Nick Cage? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have any opinion on him, to be honest. Solid. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> he's, free, he's, he's Belgium you, when it comes you, to Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. You just lost There Jesse. are very yeah. few people who don't have very strong opinions about Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. You, you really are, are the minority. hatred or just, I, I, you know, pre- I appreciate him. what he's done for the internet, you know, yeah. with, like, the memes and everything. <laughs> yeah. True. He's a human meme at this point. He's contributed to society. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. Um, okay, that'll do it for entertainment releases. In case you missed it, and your get to know you and people leaving. <laughs> Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to DVSN, Sonic's Hallucinations. It's a lot like um, Party Next Door and Maggie Jordan, all those guys from OVO. Good stuff. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Peter, Bjorn, and John with Breaking Point. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? I was going to have someone prank call in to pretend to be Toby Mac uh, <laughs> and stage a reunion for Eddie. That but there was been... no way I could I could try to do it with that. It wasn't going to end up totally dumb. Right <laughs> after, after, like in my mind, I, I kept like running through it and like things that could be said. It would be dumb within about 10 seconds. I would have yeah. bought that hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> it also would have ruined Eddie's life. I would have been fanboying out for 15 minutes. A, a subtle twang, a little subtle twang. That's in, the thing. Like, I had but a little no hip-hop idea. edge as well. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. you got to get well, in the that's dialect. The, well, that's the thing. I had no idea, like, because I was thinking like, like okay, who who can I call to like 
to do be my Toby Mac impersonator. Right. Which is, what does Toby Mac sound like? Well, yeah. maybe Eddie doesn't know. So oh, maybe I know what he work. sounds like because he left me a voicemail once. When we were having our feud. He snubbed you. Many, many, many times. And then once his label got all upset... Yeah. Uh, they made him call me to apologize. Yeah, I when this. I saw the 615 number hit my phone, of course I wasn't going to answer it. <laughs> it went to voicemail. I have a voicemail from Toby Mac. Uh, so I know exactly what he sounds like. Did you save it? And, and, and it really, and it started out like this. Yo, yo, yo. No. Honest, oh. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad, I, you know, Jesse, I could have helped you prep for this. Yeah, I know. I should have. I should have. Uh, that would have really maybe. Yeah, me. Well, you could have helped me identify a Toby Mac impersonator. But again, in my mind, I'm like, okay, he will call and and break the news to Eddie that they're reuniting, and then it's just going to get awkward. For well, then uh, Eddie would start crying. <laughs> yeah, right. well, by was, Eddie, you know Eddie uh, slowly leaves. So the first one, uh, uh, I have a, a April Fool slice. I'm going to do after this one, but this one I do feel like uh, people need to know because it's sort of an update about something we've been talking about. Uh, Mythbusters is coming back. Uh, no. to the science channel uh, after it's being uh you know ended after 14 seasons on discovery so the science channel wants to bring back mythbusters for the next generation but they need two new hosts what jesse you got to do it oh they need man. two new hosts Me and, and they're you. turning to the people jesse it has to be <sighs> you they are this taking right risk. now video Take submissions of Jesse. people that can perform experiments that are curious, and uh, they put one of the stipulations is do not mind being embarrassed on national TV Jesse. because <laughs> you know we've all. I think I think in my mind they're probably getting rid of like the silicone dummy right. that uh, you know does all the humiliating <laughs> stuff, like it's weird goose thrown at them and, and everything. I think in the new one because they're not having like celebrity like actual hosts. They're just people that were selected yeah. that they're just going to humiliate them with the experiments, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse, you Jesse, you can't leave the podcast, obviously, Ever. but we also have to have you like we I have feel to like do this. It would, I feel yeah. like it'd be foolish not to try. Jesse, this is the yeah. risk yeah. thing. This let's, is why I picked this story. Let's guys. just be honest about you for a second. You love science. You're funny. You're handsome. And you're millennial. You you, you are made for this show. Pri primarily, though. Handsome. He's Primarily, very, yeah, handsome. He's very good looking. Very yeah. good looking. Yeah. Well, I appreciate Distractingly that. Distractingly good looking. Yeah. yeah. They're tall, looking for, this is what, for science, this is what uh, the, the network said they're looking for. An all-new generation of myth-busting science superstars Done. with mind-blowing building skills, which Bingo. I have zero of. No, That's true. Right. No, he's no, terrible. No, you have incredible building no, skills. Terrible, this is going out in the world right now. So oh, this is like, oh. this is sell yourself time. Yeah. You have incredible building skills, his science channel. He's got a national platform. He'd bring an audience with him. That's yeah. right. Jesse. That's right. What, what more do you want? So, so they're gonna they're gonna pick a handful of finalists, and actually, the first season will be a show called "Searching for the Next Mythbusters," where you're in competition uh, Jesse, with these other losers like the trying to take your dream job. For nerds, you have to do this, Jesse. <laughs> it's the Bachelorette for nerds. I'm going. I if I do this, I I, I mark my words. Uh, I hope they're not still listening. I'm sabotaging every other contestant on this show. <laughs> but that's part of it. How the dream is mine and mine alone. How, yeah. how would you sabotage them? I mean, whatever nerdy project they're building, I would just sneak back on set and and break it in the night or something. Oh look, must have been a windstorm over here. <laughs> they're just laying down on the ground and they're just covered in like you know all of their like project materials yeah. and they're just crying and you just whisper in their ear. Myth. Busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, oh what would you make? Oh, cool. I made a blowtorch that that can destroy nerdy inventions. You want to see it in action? You know, like so you wouldn't go on MythBusters to to bully 
The, no, the, no, 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 science I want to go fans. on Busters to win the hosting job. Okay. If it takes me bullying out no. the other contestants, the, so be it. This the, is myth, a the myth is that there's anyone better than Jesse to host it. Yeah. He's going to bust it. Yeah, it's true. That's right. That's true. So, so like just it. a little word of advice from someone who actually did audition for a reality the television Bachelorette. show. Which no. show? What show? What no. show? No. The Bachelorette. What show? No. The Bachelorette. I was living in LA and simultaneously... No. Uh, the um, Project Runway, and then Tommy Hilfiger was doing a show exactly the same called The Cut. They both came out at the same time. I made it to the semifinals of being on, like, to be on it. So I went on down really? and, like, what? Like, for on fashion? The, on The for Cut? For fashion, yeah. Because at the time, I was living in L.A., and I was about to go to FITM, the Fashion Institute down there. I know. Anyways, but I... Your but the life. thing was, they were all designers, <laughs> and I was going to uh, FITM for product development, and I, that was my that was my pitch. I go every reality television show needs a Christian, and I um, and also I have no design background, but I will work really hard, and I will. I I'm think not I qualified. Have... I won't fit in. Yeah, <laughs> and also but so anyways. So that's so the produ- I'm meeting with the producers, and they're like, okay, but this is going to be really intense, and let's say you're designing something, and all the other people have way more experience than you, and they get in your face, and they, you know, they just make fun of you or they you know try to just bring you down they just kept asking that i'm like i don't it's a reality television show like i'm just gonna give it my all i'm not gonna get upset you know and they kept pushing me and trying to see if i would you know fight back or do something which is what they want jesse's talking about what which is what they want they wanted to see through the crazy one so that's why i start thinking i'm like okay so they kind of want the crazy person so all of a sudden i on camp because they're filming you now now it's not like a written application they're filming me and i go I mean, I guess if someone really got in my face, I wouldn't be afraid to throw down. And I went like that. No like I took it. <laughs> and I I visibly like watched the producers' faces just like drop. And they were like, because now they have on camera that I would be violent. Yeah. And uh, so they were like, Okay, well, thank you for your time. And then I, I went like So they, they they wanna know that you're a little crazy, Jesse. They wanna know you're well, crazy. Well, that, but well, don't that's, that's a good pro tip because I was gonna start that's the application with threats of violence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, so thank you, tip no- number one. Yeah. The other thing is, look, they want drama. Every and here's the other thing: every reality, they need the Christian. You know, they yeah. need the guy that brings. They get to select one item to bring on the show. He brings the Bible or right. the DC Talk <laughs> CD or whatever. <laughs> one of those things will actually be helpful. Let's be honest here: there's probably someone that's going to do a better job representing the faith than me. I, I, I would well, do my best. Right. But uh, they also need a villain. <laughs> they need the bad guy. Yes. They need the guy that's in there that everyone wants off the show, but he's too darn good. And it comes down to the final round, and it's between the underdog that kept quiet for like the first seven episodes, kind of forgot was part of the show, right. and then slowly rose through the ranks. And, he, and then he had a tragedy happen and had to leave the show for like a week. Right. And he came back on. He was with the hero, and everyone's rally around him. Then they have the seething villain in the corner who doesn't care, who has no, no sympathy, who thinks he should have just stayed home when his family dog died. Yeah. Because, they, because we're, we're going for a dream here, dude. Right. They're and just it's going to meet him in the Battle Royale Mythbusters finale. Two men enter, one man leave. That's my pitch. That's my pitch. This is must see TV. Do I ha- did I make any friends on the show? No, I didn't come here to make any friends. But by the way, I have none. So that's okay. Myth <laughs> yeah. busted. But if you Next become a, a reality TV star, you're going to have to have that tagline that you say at the beginning, like uh, Real Housewives has. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, like, what would yours be, Jesse? 
Like when they show you on screen and your name on screen, like your voice would say this statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something really ominous and inappropriate. Right. Probably. Yeah. You I'm know. all kinds of crazy. <laughs> the show is mine now, or something like that. Something that's just going to make people very uncomfortable. And like, yeah. why did they let this guy on? Ask, like, this is not really yourself, the vibe of the show. How far is too far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen, Jesse? Is once you become host and you become famous, you're going to have to start a vine just like the property brand others and you're going to be the man that you hate well that's the thing it's, oh, i'm no. going to start cross branding myself and and, um, and explore different lanes by the way do you see that the, the <laughs> property brothers released a country song yes <sighs> yeah i saw them perform it on their show they played Question. it on the show yeah they they oh. it, they had this show the, uh, the property brothers like going home or going west yeah. whatever and they went back to their canadian going rockies without a g on like the they end. grew up uh on the ranch lands or whatever and they redid a family friend's house uh -huh. And they ended it, the whole little mini, you know, it's like a series of like six. The the culmination, when they finally revealed the home to their longtime family friend, as we also wrote this song for you, and everybody's uh, gathered around, barf. and they started singing this song. Can we talk about my theory that I just came up with because of what we've been talking with? There's only one property brother. He's playing two parts. Oh! oh yeah, because I, the whole thing of like, no, but they're on screen at the same time. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just, so, I mean, so, so is Freaky Friday. The technology, technology. Where there's technology, they can split those screens. They can do it. It's actually a stuntman with face swap. Yeah. But let, let me ask you this. You, so you're, what you're saying is there's only one Mythbusters, but that brings the, the whole facade crumbling down because what you're suggesting is this. Yeah. That that there was like an executive at HDTV yeah. that came up with this idea that we can't just have a handsome realtor slash contractor. We have to have the gimmick. We have to have like yeah. their twin brothers, right? right? Yeah. And in order to do it, we have to work. have like the world's fine. Like you're <laughs> saying that this guy, whoever is playing Drew and 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 John or whatever, Scott, right? Scott, yeah. yeah, the Scott brothers, Bingo and Charlie. <laughs> that he is some like classically trained English thespian. Yeah, right. That this is the role of a lifetime. Yeah. Let yeah. me let me just respond to. <laughs> He's your, a triple threat. He can sing me, as well. Let me yeah. just respond to your statement with this. I think someone found his first myth. Triple threat oh. being triple threat being triple threat being acting, singing, construction. Prove it That's untrue right, yeah. on the show, my friend. Prove that there are two property brothers. I don't know how yeah, you're going to do it. Them. Listen, uh, so the the myth I'm busting is that property brothers are two Canadian uh, handsome. Uh, contractor slash realtors and not an English thespian yeah. that's been pulling the wool over the world's eyes yeah. for decades. They're like, we're kind of we're kind of more looking for like a sciencey thing. Oh well, uh, I was going to see how many cotton balls I could put in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a rabbit hole that some some of our listeners may want to go down. Uh, uh, there is a performance artist slash uh, uh, hoax. Banksy type of figure that has emerged in New York that goes by the name Zardulu. Uh, Zardulu has gotten some coverage uh, recently in, in the Gothamness uh, on, on Reply All. The New York Times just did a feature on Zardulu. So basically, the story of Zardulu starts when an actor in New York replied to an ad to be a part of some sort of viral video promotion that he knew nothing about. He was he went to the address, which was some sort of uh, uh, weird warehouse space in Brooklyn that he described as a combination between a lab, 
with like beakers and everything and some sort of art studio. And there he met a strange woman who looked like she was from another time who had a small army of trained rats and all kinds of insane props. What? She commissioned him to be a part of a viral video where he would sit on a subway and a rat would walk up to him while he was pretending to sleep and take a selfie on his phone. She had orchestrated the whole thing and actually trained the rat to do this. And the idea was to create a viral video like Pizza Rat. It worked. Selfie Rat made the rounds on the internet and uh, local TV news. She also pulled off another one where she hired another actor to go fishing, and she had actually taxidermied catfish with three eyes that were pulled out of the Brooklyn River. Uh, So she's been pulling all of these. Some people have even speculated that she's actually behind Pizza Rat. Huh. Uh, the viral she video. needs to get a job with Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, she doesn't really have, this isn't like, uh, the weird and kind of creepy thing is, this isn't like a joke to her. She's not doing this for like amusement reasons. She's doing it as some sort of high-minded art project that is going to uh, challenge the way people think about myths. Uh, her persona. She working with Shia LaBeouf because this is like the exact same thing he's doing. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is a uh, uh, very Shia LaBeouf like. Uh, on Twitter, uh, she explained that myths came before art, before written word and even language. Myths are the building blocks which the imagination and creativity are built. All kind of these weird, uh, a little esoteric ideas about myths that she's putting out on. Uh, uh, Twitter. No one knows who she is. There's some speculation that it's a prank uh, by actors at the UCB, the comedy outfit there in New York. But uh, <laughs> she, the, the, the people that have worked with her have repeatedly said that she's planning on something very big and is playing with the idea of reality and myth, and is going to play it out in the streets of New York. So it's a really weird and interesting story. She's David Blaine. Uh, I have a question. I have a question. How do people like this like make a living like like how 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 uh, is this possible? it starts with rich parents you yeah think? trust fund is yeah. it you think i, I mean well, like i know there's endowment for the arts and stuff like that but this is so obscure but how they, do you have rent money for that massive warehouse in yeah. brooklyn i mean like this costs money right well to i train think that's out. what honestly what's intriguing about it is she's like a real life weird super villain with like no <gasps> origin story that's right. true like you know all we know that she lives in some sort of lair in New York. That no, it's it's like the Joker. It is like, like the Joker. What? We call her Ratman, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has her picture. Like I said, it sounds like oh, she's pulling these funny sort of pranks, but they're not really pranks as as much as they are sort of you know pl- toying with the media because there's no really joke to them. Yeah. Right. Uh, even her picture that uh, her avatar on Twitter is super creepy. Uh, she's wearing this strange mask with long hair, and she has a staff and at the end of the staff is a rat eating its own tail it's weird it's right. very weird well, what and a, what a fun little april fool's <laughs> quick quick little slice you do, right? <laughs> research zardulu uh, it's a strange thing and if you're in new york and you see something uh, happening that could be the work of trained rats you may be witnessing the work of a real life supervillain. you know uh you know i think it's all connected I think the person behind Zardulu is also the person behind the Property Brothers myth. <laughs> it's all it's all happening. Because there is a myth theme running through this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. excited and, to watch this. You know this whose on job it is to bust up this whole racket? <laughs> <laughs> you buster. The next host, the Mistbuster. So watch out, Zardulu. All right, what do you have, Joy? 
All right. Well, um, as I'm sure you guys recall, I've been doing a travel theme of slices. You know, I had the traveling with Netflix. I had Iceland Air last week. Um, and so now Matt and I have bought our first house and we've been thinking about Airbnb in our basement. Um, and so this week's slice is um, about Airbnb. And my lead in question, folks, is um, have you guys, what's like the weirdest place you've ever slept or have you slept outside under the stars? I guess that's not that weird, but. Chandler sleeps in his piano. He doesn't have a bed. <laughs> That's true. Because he eats his hot pockets. Anybody, any weird sleeping places? Um, I, when I was on tour in my band, the sophomore temp, the band I was in. Sophomore temp. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we would just not, we would just wouldn't plan where we were going to stay. We would just at the venue, like for the eight people that showed up, be like, hey, if anyone's got a place to, you know, let us crash, that'd be dope and so we ended up at a lot of weird places this one place i think we ended up was a cult um, a cult yeah oh. mm -hmm. i think so this girl had come to the show we did our can we stay with you thing she's like yeah i got a big i got a big place with i got a couple different houses and you uh, stayed with Zardula. yeah we're all like all the houses <laughs> are like dad and eight yeah, moms are all in the same area we have a lot of bunk beds oh and so we were like oh cool that's great it's so, like a dorm so all all four bands that were on tour all went to because normally we'd split off. We'd yeah. all go find places, but so twenty five people, you know, band members and crew, showed up to this house, and it was like three or four just mobile home trailers all in a circle, and in the middle of it was a big bonfire pit. Cool. And then they just had literally inside was just I mean just bunk beds, and they made like spaghetti in a vat, and then there was like a lot of women there, and there was one guy. <gasps> there was one guy. I was right. And like wow. yeah, and we all like it, it was it was weird. It was weird. And we ate spaghetti for breakfast the next morning too. They but not leftover. They made it again. No. <laughs> yeah, they made spaghetti again the next morning. So, so you're saying you're saying with some sort of weird spaghetti cult. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I gotta be honest, doesn't sound that ominous. <laughs> they, they call themselves saucers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, I gotta tell you, no one can top that. I went camping once. Right. I might be able to. It. One time oh. I was um, oh. Playing in in Jacksonville with with one of my bands. Well, that's your problem right there. Yeah, she slept and, in Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> so it was like a little festival, and some of the people who were part of organizing the festival offered. Uh, well, we had mentioned that we didn't have a place to stay. They offered that we could stay with their uh, at their parents' house, who were out of town. Oh, they were cool. house sitting. Yeah. So we get to this place. It's a really nice house, like you know, huge yard on the river, St. John's River. Was it a big big house? It was a big, big house. Was, was the yard enough, lots and lots was of rooms? Was the yard big enough to play football in? Uh, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> Touchdown! Lots Do you of think, lots of rooms. Yeah, um, you think Captain Crunch is in hell or whatever? We, we, <laughs> as, we're as we're walking up, the guy turns around and he's like, "Just so you know, my parents are kind of messy." Uh, uh -oh. We're like, oh, "Okay." Uh -oh. Uh -oh. So we walk in, and no joke, it, it could be on uh, an episode of Hoarders, <gasps> like, like rooms that you could not even walk in because it was. Completely full of stuff. My I don't think that like, guy. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of messy. <laughs> no, like, like one room had a grand piano in it, which one of our you're like, like oh, one I'll of the sleep there. Found. Yeah. I'll sleep there. <laughs> no, he, he like found it the next day. He had to like climb through these stacks of like, and it wasn't even things. It was like garbage that they would like stack. Like, right. Like yeah. styrofoam cups from Seven Eleven stacked uh. in, in the window still. So, Gross. Wow. That's so because usually it's just like one person that it, it has that problem. It was a couple. That, it was it was absolutely insane. Yeah, see that's worse than my story. The roaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got oh, spaghetti there was, in there's a... bugs everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like in the kitchen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had oh, spaghetti Jordan, in a bunk bed. Moral of the story, don't be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Joy. Well, Chitty Chitty Chandler and Jeremiah, I think I have found a, a night's rest that will be better than both of those situations. Can, right can I now, ask one question real quick, Joy? Yeah. Does sleeping overnight count or just dozing off? Because numerous conference rooms I've slept in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> At the relevant offices? I mean, church sanctuaries, uh, more times I can count, uh, the back of classrooms. One time... Uh, while operating a motor vehicle. Oh, man. <laughs> Too many to even know. Uh, on a jet ski one time. Yeah. Long day, ran out of gas, floating, bobbing guys, around for a while. But, how did you guys uh, come up with that at the same time? You oh, couldn't marry each other, and you both I, went jet ski. It was amazing. <laughs> um, well, so anyways, right now, if any of you or a listener applies on Airbnb... You can um, sleep for one night at the Paris Aquarium in a room submerged in 35 sharks as your neighbors. No You're way. You're in a clear glass room with a bed for two people, <laughs> and they provide you with shampoo and conditioner and toilet paper, which I'm a little confused because I'm like, if you're providing toilet paper, that means there's also a toilet in this clear glass room. <laughs> so they're going to pick three winners, and they will they will pay for your flight to get there, um, and you will have your sleepover either – either on the 11th, 12th, or the 13th, or if the people sleeping over on the 11th get eaten, the 12th and the 13th probably won't happen. Um, and you can apply here. This is like kind of unrelated, but the most fascinating part to me of, of the situation is that the application process, you have to tell Airbnb why you should be picked for this. And Americans or, well, most people I think get 50 to 550 characters. That's the limit mm -hmm. of explaining why you should get picked. 50 seems like very small amount of characters. Yeah. For Chinese people, Japanese, and Koreans, they have only a maximum of 300 characters. Like, why that specification? Because their, their language they is better. Yeah, they can say yeah. more and less characters. Yeah, yeah the, but the, still, I mean, that just feels like character. such a weird... Like no, stipulation I, to me. I don't. I don't Here's my question: true. If you win, do you have to stay in the Shark Tank, or can you just like take the flights and get an Airbnb? And <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, cool true. I definitely don't stay in that weird for, Shark Tank. For, yeah, a weird trip to Paris. Yeah. Like hey, once you land, you could you can get lost. Yeah. 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 They don't. They don't so, yeah. 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 They're like the, he should be here by now. <laughs> Joy, let me ask you this: Are they looking for a possible villain role? For <laughs> If you that can would, explain why you should be uh, a good a villain in this That would be a good layer characters. for Rat Lady. Yeah. yeah. That is a, All right. What do you have, Eddie? I'm going to yield a second of my slice time to ask Channing Tatum another quick question. <laughs> Every time you stretch, you have tattoos on your arms, and it says Carpe Diem. It does. The question for you is, who did you get that tattoo for? Uh, well, I, I lived in Australia briefly. And, of course you did. Uh, yeah, it, it, honestly, I just wanted to get a tattoo. Because it's interesting because you have it so that I can read it. Yeah. If you read it, it says DM Carpe. Yeah. Oh. Just wanted to bring up that point. Yeah, because it it's one, one word on, on either arm. Just yeah, but it's hard to figure out. Like, yeah. did you make it for you, which would have been like your left arm uh, and then your right arm? But it's no, both. not really. I don't know, man. Well, it looks cool. You're, you're thinking about it way really more than he ever has. has. Yeah. 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 Right. That's it was basically like, I want to get a tattoo. And that works. And uh, yeah, yeah, Carpe I, Diem yeah. is the tattoo to get. If he, you it was either Carpe Diem or a dolphin jumping over yeah. a moon. Yeah, it was, you know, it was pretty so, close. Yeah. Sunset. Yeah. Cameron you know talked what, him out of Yolo. I'll Carpe Diem and the Tasmanian Devil uh, running around the University of Florida logo, please. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then that a, will be a back piece. You're correct. He got a thug shoulder. life arched on his uh, abs. So right, you know. All right. Well, I'll go quick through my slice because I used a little bit of my time. I will say that Microsoft has 
has uh, done a little social experiment that has gone very wrong. They created a um, a Twitter bot, so kind of a, a you know, it's a it's smarter child. It's a Twitter persona that is connected to basically a computer, and the computer. The idea was that the computer would learn and become a more sophisticated Twitter user based on how people interact. Wasn't there an eighties uh, Saturday morning sitcom where like the child was actually a robot? It was I'm called, sure there was. My Life the was, Robot or something like that? No, yeah. it was called A Small Wonder. Small Wonder. Small nice. Wonder. And it, Actually, was about a, it was about a middle-aged man who created like a 12-year-old girl android robot that was yeah. indistinguishable from human. Nothing creepy about that idea. <laughs> yeah. We actually, actually have a clip of it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear a clip. I would like to volunteer to take this old bird out of her misery. Cletus. Don't you dare say something like that about mom. Oh, no. You ain't got to protect me from Cletus. Come on, Cletus. Come on. Come over here. Come on in there. Let's show walk. Come on over. Then, then uh, you're going to limp back. You walk over, but you're limping back. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was the same era where, where like sitcoms had to have a gimmick. Yeah. And they're like, how about this one? Major dad. Well, what's the premise? Emotionally distant military fathers. Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, this coach, Twitter. He's a, hey, coach. Well, am I reading this right? Is he a coach? He is. <laughs> Green light. <laughs> <laughs> like you had to have like a weird gimmick for that. It was, thank God for shows like the Larry Sanders show, which were just weird and meta, you know? That's just an obvious so, so Twitter's kicking it old school is what we're saying. Well, Small Microsoft, wonder paved the way. But yeah, so Microsoft tried to create this Twitter bot named Tay yeah. that would actually learn from us and be a reflection, but also get smarter and smarter. So it was an interesting kind of uh, sociological experiment. Huh. And quote, um, the Twitter bot went full Nazi in under 24 hours. Wait, wait, oh. Is it scanning what? Twitter? It, it is everything that people are saying to it. It's Twitter. To Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. it's fully Twitter. So it's not like just out in the so, internet. It's so people People have the opportunity to make it say anything. So you could tweet to it and say, at Tay or whatever its uh -huh. name was, say this. And it would say it. Oh, but it would okay. also learn that that's what people want to say. So it starts to learn on its own and it yeah. blew up. Yeah, we saw Small Wonder. Went viral. Uh, it said, remember, and I, remember that episode where she was Chandler Nazi? didn't see Small Wonder because it, she talked too fast. It yeah. literally, after 15 hours, said things that I cannot quote to or hint to on the show. Oh, wow. Like, I can't even, but I mean, it made... Was it people saying to it, say this? Yes, except that then it starts to get it smarter. Learned. And it starts to realize what people are asking it to say, and it starts to make connections. And it's connections. just proactively saying So it. it's starting to pr bring up, it's doing like a defense, no, it's... It's like ripping on Black Lives Matter. It's no talking way. about alcohol. Oh. And the thing basically goes completely berserk. Um, and then they shut it down. Um, and then they shut it down. Yeah. Then like. they, But they immediately, like, well, as soon as it started to go nuts, they, they shut it, it down. Was just right. It was just saying vile things. It was DMing people, completely disgusting messages. Like, what? But it was, like, crazy. Because we all talk about, like, Bodie McBoatface last week. Mm -hmm. and yeah. how right. But I'm like, I guess I wasn't surprised at all. But I would have loved to have been surprised by this story because like maybe it's just talking about like positivity and rainbows and sunshine but it's like Listen. in under 24 hours it literally became the most the offensive. worst of human nature right, right. yeah so then it twitter or not twitter but microsoft shuts it down and says like well it looks like the experiment's over um and just said like this is what you were saying so they're doing some testing on it uh, throughout the week, and they accidentally fired up again. And oh. real quick. Um, so they made an unkillable, again, they made again. an unkillable Nazi Twitter bot. Again, right. that was the season two cliffhanger and, of Small Wonder. And within yeah. like an hour.
hour of it being on again, it is bragging about smoking Kush in front of police officers. <laughs> I mean, it is absolutely going. When Small Wonder did that, uh, uh, then uh, the screen went uh, to be continued. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's basically what happened. So then they turned it off again and made the profile private so that nobody could uh, get on it. But I just thought, what an interesting uh, reflection of us that people, because like, I would have thought it was funny to have it say something, but the fact is that it learned vile stuff. But from so people. were people saying like it was a big prank? Everybody was in on it, and they were saying the worst things to it to see if it would say it. Yes. Okay. Well, then you I mean, but, but, but even as a prank, like the things but, 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 it was why saying. Why can't the prank be more like harmless and funny? Not, right. You know. Like why couldn't that's, it, like, that's the internet for you? Like yeah. why wouldn't it have been like doing like that? Uh, like song lyrics. That song lyrics that everybody like bombs whatever that guy's name. Rick, Rick Astley yeah that yeah. kind of junk never gonna give like, you up the Property Brothers and song right. their new you, hit single <laughs> yeah. you could have made it do anything and learn anything and it was just inundated with what if what if it only like like talked about Property Brothers right. like you know like that right. was like it was just like, I got funny. obsessed with that would have been worse been I wild. can save you ten thousand dollars by doing the fiberglass molding <laughs> 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 I'm just more concerned that the people these experts at Microsoft accidentally switched it back on. Right, they're doing testing on <laughs> that's it. That's the scariest part. <laughs> right. Okay, what's the one thing we, jo- we don't do with that self-aware uh, killer <laughs> internet Nazi we made? Yeah. Make sure you do not turn it back on. Uh-oh. You know what? Oh, no. Uh, you, you were saying don't turn it back on. 19,000 notifications. Uh-oh. <laughs> we got a problem here. Can, can, I, can, I, can I make one more point to reiterate uh, uh, Cameron's point about how insane the 80s were with small shows like <laughs> Yeah, please. The please pitch do. meeting for Alf. Can you just imagine what that was? Like a guy, like the writer's like, oh, so yeah, he's got the kid robot idea, the, the coach one. Uh, Alien lives with the family. So. Alien, and uh, let me ask you about this: uh, an alien uh, like ET? Yeah, no, no, it's a it's a furry alien. No, it, it needs something more. He eats cats. How, I how love about, it. How about this? He, he's wisecracking. He's wisecracking. He's a little guy in a furry outfit. Oh. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> We're giving you eight thirty and nine o'clock every Thursday night. Here's five million dollars. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Run River North. You're listening to Frankie Cosmos. Indie pop outfit Run River North has just released their follow-up album to their 2014 self-titled debut. It's called Drinking from a Salt Pond. Uh, they On this one, they worked uh, with producer Lars Stolfers, who did Cold War Kids, uh, Deep Valley, Matt and Kim. And they leave behind their familiar folksy roots to craft an ambitious rock album. Run River North, you've, you might have seen them on Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, VH1, Last Call with Carson Daly. Um, other shows as well. And now they're on the relevant podcast performing live in our studio. Here is Run River North. Trees grow where the ground's all right, die old in the middle of the night. Roots of my hands to reach Cut me down where the water meets the sea
guys were the first to find 29 in the middle of the night Words in my head to see Keep me up until the body disagrees 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 Your words are cold like the wind They hold no weight around me Let go, you're telling me to let go I know the shadows are the only one Shadows are the only one The trees grow where the crowns all right Die old in the middle of the night Words in my head to sleep Keep me up until the body disagrees Keep me up until the body disagrees Your words are cold like the wind Bottom of your dirt What if I leave Never become What if the sea leads me straight to the sun I know it's home I know it hurts I know I'll end up at the bottom of your dirt What if I leave Never become What if the sea leads me straight to the sun That was Run River North. Stay tuned up next, Jamie Twerkowski. Listening to Need to Breathe. The song is Happiness, which is exactly what their fans are feeling right now with their new song coming out. This week's feature interview is brought to you by Squarespace, uh, the best way to build a website on the internet. Your website will look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding is required. It's intuitive, it has easy-to-use tools, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. You can start your free trial site today when you go to squarespace.com, but if you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Jamie Tworkowski is the founder of... To Write Love in Our Arms, a nonprofit organization dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. 
Last year, he also uh, released his first book uh, called If You Feel Too Much, and it's awesome. He's been a longtime friend of the show and uh, relevant, and our stories kind of go way back. So right now, It's Right Love is celebrating their 10-year anniversary, and we thought it'd be a lot of fun to have him on the show and talk to us about that journey. Uh, Here is my conversation with Jamie Torkowski. Well, dude, congrats on the uh, 10-year anniversary of Trite Love on Our Arms. Thank you, man. Is it, uh, is it hit you that it's been a decade that you've been doing this? It's wild, you know? It, I mean, obviously, people have been asking that in, in different settings, and in some ways, it, it's gone by really fast, and, and in other ways, I'm aware that a lot has happened. I do think an important place to start is to note that the first Trite Love on Our Arms t-shirt was designed at relevant that is so true. maybe in some legal realm you actually own this whole thing i don't know <laughs> our uh, <laughs> our designer cory westerhold i believe his name was uh buddy of yours yes um was helping you out do this campaign tell the listeners who are hearing about trite love you know just in like recent history you know tell them about that early like what was it tell us how this started back in 2006 yeah. So at the time, I was I was working as a sales rep for Hurley. I was part of a church community in Orlando, um, obviously where where you're from, where you guys are based. And was introduced to a girl who became my friend. Her name is Renee. She's still my friend today. Uh, met Renee through a mutual friend, and when I met her, she was dealing with drug addiction, depression, self injury, had attempted suicide was denied entry into a local treatment center and spent the next five days uh, living at the house that I was living at. And we just kept her safe and did our best to, you know, keep food on the table and make her smile and, and pass that time. And then we got her into treatment. And I wrote a story about the experience and, um, you know, Relevant, you guys also shared that. It was it was 850 words of Relevant, I believe it was called. Yeah, our newsletter. And then, yeah, and then... Uh, had the idea to help pay for her treatment just by selling some t-shirts. And, and I think I maybe ordered a hundred and that felt ambitious just to be sold to friends and maybe at our church. And uh, John Foreman from Switchfoot was the first one to wear one of those shirts. And, and you know, it, it ended up obviously taking on a, a life of its own and, and becoming a bigger thing. And we just realized that Renee's story was one that represented a lot of different people really all over the world who could relate to pain, whether it was theirs or a family member, someone they had lost, someone they cared about and been never, you know, didn't mean to start a charity and didn't expect to be working on it 10 years later. <laughs> but talk to me about that first, because I remember it. It was it was a young adults ministry here in Orlando called Status. Uh, was John Tyson the pastor? John Tyson, I think, started it. Yeah. Uh, AJ, AJ, uh, AJ, who Cheryl. is up in New York. Yeah, yeah AJ's up in New York uh, with Trinity Grace. That's right. I think was was the lead pastor at the time. Um, and I really found a home there. And, yeah. You know, I, I grew up over on the beach, but I, I really I really found a home there. And so that was my community. And, and that was how I met David McKenna. And, and I rented a room from him in Orlando. And, and he became kind of a big brother to Renee. And she's a, a few years younger than than me, but but she had kind of found a home at, at that church as well. And so, like, it went from you know friends rallying around Renee and you, like, again, you got a full time job at Hurley. You're doing well. You're do, you're you know connected in the surf scene. It's your passion. 
And then like you're just saying like we we as a community, we as like a local you know friends need to like raise money and help Renee get through treatment. You did that, you know, obviously at a local level. John Foreman thought it was great. He to support you, you know, wore the shirt at a at a concert and it got noticed by their fans and and so you were able to raise the money for Renee and she went into treatment. Yeah. So what happened where like it kept going? Like what was the transition where it went from this being like a, a project to help our friend to like, whoa, this is way bigger than that? Yeah, it I mean it was a whole range of emotions. Obviously a lot of it was positive, a lot of it was really exciting, but part of it was was really scary and overwhelming. You know, I, I was being asked questions that I didn't have answers to. People were sharing really painful parts of their stories and opening up about things they had never talked about. Um, and it, you know, we, it just began to snowball. And basically the, the story kind of took on a life of its own and people responded in writing. You know, people responded with comments and messages and emails. And then the t-shirts very much did the same. And so, as you mentioned, we, we realized quickly we were going to do more than, we were in a position to do more than just pay for Renee's treatment. And um, it was a couple months later, it was that summer of 2006 that I finally quit that Hurley job, which was a, a move that surprised a lot of people. But I, I felt like someone else would do my Hurley job and they would do it really well and they'd have a good, a good life. And maybe I was being given this really unique opportunity that was hard to explain. You, you couldn't know if it would last six months or a year, but it felt like I could bring my heart to work and, and maybe some people could end up getting help, maybe even staying alive. And it just felt like something that was worth rolling the dice on. So it was like a month maybe that it was really about Renee. And then after that, the story of it all and the fact that more and more people were wanting to connect and wanting to, you know, like, Get, wear the shirts and like they were asking like they were reaching out that's when it started to for you turn into like I need to do this full time yeah I mean it was I met Renee the end of February 2006 John wore the shirt on stage for the first time the end of March 2006 and I ended up quitting that Hurley job I, I think in June or July um, so you know a couple months went by and, and we had such a, we kind of had a backwards beginning because I feel like so many people have an idea, you know, they have a dream, they have a mission, but they don't have any money coming in and they certainly don't have an audience. And we somehow had money coming in through t-shirt sales. We had a growing audience. Obviously it started small before we ever called it a charity or even thought about that. So I feel like it's important to to point that out to people when, you know, cause obviously people love to know how something happened and maybe even how they could do something similar. So I'm aware that it's kind of one in a million, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'm one of the ones, I was one of the friends who thought you were crazy, you know, that like, not, <laughs> not that what you were doing was crazy, but my thought, cause like the earliest days of relevant, cause we only started a few years before you, well, five, six years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like we had to do other stuff to pay the bills for years before Relevant itself could like, you know, the magazine or whatever could stand on its own two feet. Like we did client work, web design, whatever. And, uh, and so I thought, man, you got this job where you don't need, you know, like you could keep doing to right love. I thought you were crazy going full time. I was like, you know, yeah. no. but obviously it was bigger than I even any of us realized at the time. And, uh, it was a huge risk, but it paid off. I guess I am digging into that because there's so many of our listeners who, you know, have a, a, a heart to start a nonprofit or start an organization or raise awareness about something. And, and so many of them aren't able to 
you know, transition from it being a, a side hobby or a passion project to it being something that they can really devote their life to. And the fact that you were able to do that, you know, is not a small thing. That risk you took yeah. is massive. I mean, you were going into the unknown. Yeah, we're 10 years later looking back and they're like, wow, look how it worked out. But like, you were leaving a good job for something that could like be cool for a couple months and then go away, you know? Totally. And, and we've, uh, you know, we've all seen so many things come and go because there was an element of a trend to it. You know, it was really the moment of MySpace, kind of the beginning of social media. We had, you know, a connection in kind of the alternative music and certainly that kind of fringe cornerstone tooth and nail music realm and and so many things go away just as quick as they come and i think the fact that i came from hurley and even quicksilver before that i think it gave me permission to think about brands that do stick around you know obviously hurley expects to be around a year from now and 10 years from now and and so i think it it planted some seeds that that maybe this conversation could last longer and and that if we did it right uh, we could build something that would be sustainable. So you were really conscious of brand building. That is fascinating because I think people would look in on you and just go, oh, here's a guy who wants to help people and tell their story. You know, like, but really you were thinking about it like this matters. We need this brand to last to reach more people. I mean, not right away because initially, you know, even when Corey and I were at the relevant office in the middle of the night, I didn't think of that as a logo. I thought of that as a t-shirt that we might order one time. But I think as it began to grow and, and really surprised us in terms of the response and when messages started to come in from other countries, then I think it, it gave me permission to think about what was happening and, and what the future could look like. So, you know, from, from day one, I wouldn't say there was that you know, ambition or, uh, um, or, or kind of that strategy. There, there was the strategy that, hey, if we're going to, if you're going to make a shirt to try to raise money for anything, you should try to make a cool shirt right. <laughs> that, right. that people want to wear, you know? I mean, that, so I think we, there was always the sense of valuing design and valuing language. I mean, obviously things that you notice and care about and things that I think traditionally, like our, our parents and our grandparents' generation that, that charities or causes weren't usually very, very good at. Right. Um, and, and so now I feel like it's, it's, it's really cool that so many, so many charities, so many organizations do a great job and those things aren't shallow. Like, um, you can use those things for good. I mean, I think Charity Water is an amazing example of that. So talk to me about like the, the transition. So as you go full time and this is leaving it, you know, friends locally trying to raise money for Renee. And this is now connecting broader than that. And bands are starting to get behind it and it's spreading like organically, which I think is key. I mean, it was, I mean, you worked relationships and stuff like that, but like it was cool for a band like Anne Berlin or others to be wearing the shirt. Um, and, and, and it said something that summer. Talk to me about like when this shifted for you that this was bigger. Like what was, when, what was it about in that next season? If it's not about Renee, what was it tangibly about for you? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely the sense that it was still a big surprise. It was still a bit overwhelming. I mean, there's the, the question of quitting my job, but then there's also the question of how the heck do you start a nonprofit? How do you run a nonprofit? What's a budget? What's a board of directors? So that whole next set of questions. Um, but I think, you know, what what, you know, allowed us to think in that direction was just seeing that so many people were touched by 
not just Renee's story, but the, the issues that were represented there. And so, so many people were dealing with the same things. And, and so Renee was sort of the catalyst or maybe the first example that, that made it safe for people to be honest. But I think quickly realizing that there was such a bigger conversation to be had and really just, it's, it's so many of the same ideas over and over again. So now you're telling not just one person that it's okay to get help, but you know, eventually thousands and thousands of individuals, you're pointing them to honesty, to community, to the idea that they are loved, to the idea that they don't have to hide, that it's okay to go to counseling, it's okay to go to treatment. And so really it's just kind of duplicating that over and over again in a lot of different settings. You know, obviously in social media, it was music tours. Uh, for me now, it's a lot of college campuses. So different platforms and different mediums, but so much of the message has, has stayed the same. So specifically to answer your question, I, I think it was just realizing that there were so many Renees out there and, and the things we wanted to be true for her, we, we now hope they could be true for all these other folks. I know that that's right. Love is much broader than the church world now. And I love that, but it started from, you know, the church world. And do you think, like, why do you think the church has been so bad acknowledging these issues that you're focusing on every day? Like the, the people who feel like they can't talk about it or ask for help. Like, you know, a lot of them grew up in the church. A lot of them didn't find the help there that they need. Why do you think that is? Man, I mean, I think it's true within the church and outside the church. I think that stigma really exists everywhere that people aren't sure if it's okay to go there. Um, you know, I don't know what your experience was growing up, but I, I feel like I sort of grew up with this sense that to be a Christian meant we were supposed to have it all together. And you used words like joy and blessed. And, and I didn't really see much, especially on stage, right? I didn't really see examples of brokenness or where there was space for brokenness. Um, the good news, and I know you see this and you guys write about it and talk about it, but I think we do get to see a lot of evidence of change, a lot of positive change. Sometimes it comes at a cost. I mean, Rick Warren and Rick and Kay, who I know you're friends with, are an incredible example of out of the tragedy of their son, Matthew, choosing to use their platform, their audience, their voice to say, hey, this is a conversation that needs to be had. This is not a secret. This is not something we're ashamed of. We loved our son. We did everything we could for him to get help. This is how hard it is. And, and that story represents, I think, the reality of these issues for so many people within the church, within church leadership, and, and certainly outside the church as well. So I, I, I do want to point out, and I think you would agree, that um, there's there's reason to hope and there's reason to feel like there's a lot of churches that are starting to get it right and starting to say, hey, we need to have this conversation, whether it's mental health, whether it's something like Celebrate Recovery. Um, there's a lot of churches that are kind of bringing this out of the shadows. And, and you've been a huge part of that, honestly. I mean, like you, you know, championing the fact that we need to talk about this, that, you know, that you don't have to struggle in, in solitude and in quiet. And, and there's a it's important to talk about it. Um, just giving people permission, honestly, really, for the last 10 years, I know you're just chipping away at it, chipping away at it, but man, it's it's made a difference. I mean, yeah, I grew up like you. I mean, like Christians are supposed to have it all all perfect. You know, like if, if you're yeah. uh, 
if you're struggling with depression, that means you're just not, your faith isn't strong enough. Or, you know, like the church did a bad job of acknowledging sure. the chemical and emotional and spiritual components to the things that people are going through. And um, they just kind of treat it as spiritual only, you know? And I think the church yeah, is yeah. Wising, wisening up to uh, to that, you know? And like acknowledging that there is a chemical, a genetic, a, an emotional component to this and treating the whole person is... Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I honestly, I, 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 that wasn't the case when you started. I mean, you were like a lone voice in the wilderness. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's not easy. No, thank you, man. So you guys, you know, moving, moving it forward, like you guys are catching momentum. You're, you're, you're raising awareness about this. You're, you're responding to people on, on MySpace and Facebook, and you're, you know, you're just kind of stirring the conversation. When did it shift for you? Like, what was the moment where it went from like the surprise momentum and like, you couldn't keep up with the interest and the demand. When did it shift to like an intentionality of like, I don't know, like pro like, what is this nonprofit? Like, what are we about? Like, other than just the issue, what are we doing? You know, when did it, what was that a couple yeah, years yeah. later? I mean, what no, was I, mean like? there, I think there were a lot of moments, you know, I, I mean, Early on, there was there was a festival that that you probably remember called Cornerstone Florida, which happened in Orlando, and we were given a free booth. It, it was actually intended for a local church, and they didn't need it. And I remember wondering, you know, oh, are are we? Is this even necessary? I mean, do we deserve a booth? And I think I did some rough math, and I think ten percent of the people at the festival bought one of our shirts. And it felt like every stage you looked at. I mean, Under Oath, Paramore, Copeland, the shirts were just everywhere. And and I think that was a day that, and again, this is probably earlier on than you were asking, but that just put in my mind, something is happening, like something amazing beyond what I could explain or, you know, manipulate or orchestrate, something really wild is happening. And I think that was one of the first days that really gave me permission to start thinking about the future and to start thinking of it as potentially a bigger thing. I remember that festival allowed us to move on and go to the bigger Cornerstone Festival in Illinois. The Cornerstone Florida, and, and kind I, of to just I was there. It was like it was like April, right? I, I remember seeing you there. Yeah, Renee was like that was like March or February. You wrote the story in March, and then like Cornerstone Florida was like right after that. Yeah, like maybe april or may or something i remember like i remember i agree with you like that was when i was like wait a second what is this like what is going on this isn't about renee anymore you know what i mean like just about renee this is much bigger than that sure sure i remember that too and so that summer you went to cornerstone out in illinois yeah and i remember coming home driving in a van back to florida and my sales manager at hurley called me and my numbers were down and he basically just said, Hey, what's, what's going on? And so I was honest with him and, uh, and, and he, he didn't, he wasn't a big fan of it. And, and I understand. And I actually quit my job the next day. And it, it just another, it was another one of those kind of defining moments where I felt like my job was being compromised. Obviously everything's competing for my time. And I, I just came to this place of having to choose. And so it was literally on the on the way home from Cornerstone that I felt like I had to make that decision. So, you know, let's fast forward a couple years. So like this is 06, 07, 08. You guys are now in the throes of it. Like you're 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 running a nonprofit. You guys were under an umbrella of another organization so you could operate, you know, uh, as a nonprofit. 
are you seeking out mentors? Are you seeking out people to like help you along the way? Or are you guys kind of like just figuring out as you go? Yeah, I think I think I had access. I feel like I've always had access to some people that I really looked up to and respected. And then in doing this work, certainly got to meet people, you know, whether it was professional counselors or people who work in the realm of, of suicide prevention or treatment. Um, so it was definitely a mix of um, some voices that had been in my life, people I got to know, and then people, you know, even specifically related to nonprofit work and mental health work. Um, and looking back, I think that, you know, people ask me, what would you do differently? I, I think I would have said, I don't know more often. I think there was this feeling of, of having to maybe pretend to have it all together. And, and there was just so much to learn. And there was a lot of growing pains. I mean, you know, just on so many levels, working with friends, my, my friendship with Renee, trying to navigate that relationship and, you know, the uniqueness of our friendship and in the midst of who owns a story and money coming in and privacy and sobriety. So there was just a lot to navigate. And um, looking back, I, w you know, I, I wish I would have just kind of been, I don't know if humble is the right word or honest, but you know, the days I didn't know, the days I felt overwhelmed, just, just to be willing to say that out loud. So not that you asked that, but somehow I ended up there. <laughs> well, that, I've always wondered that about Renee. Like, how was she with it in those early years of this thing that, you know, just kind of took off and it was not yeah. really about her, but she was the her, you know? How did you guys navigate that? Yeah, I mean, there were really hard times. There were, there were entire years that we didn't speak and, you know, just re really hard conversations. And, and it broke my heart that from the outside, there was an element of success. There was a lot to be proud of, but, but my relationship, my friendship with this person that the whole thing started with was broken. And the, the really cool thing, you know, to kind of tell the short version is just that there's been a ton of healing and we're friends today and there's peace today and we talk and we text and we do events together. You know, she'll be she'll be on stage at our 10 year event in Orlando this weekend. Um, so there's been so much healing and a lot of that just had to happen over time. I, I think there's probably been growing up. Oh, she was 19 when this started. I was 26. So now we're both 10 years further down the road. But I do think I'm thankful that you know we didn't make her an employee we didn't this hasn't been her full-time job or her career she'll always be attached to it she'll always be associated we love to promote things that she's doing we, we, we totally honor her place in our story but I think we've tried to give her the freedom to be herself to be an individual to pursue her recovery and I think that's been a good thing uh, in 2008 9 10 11 you guys won every stinking award that nonprofits could possibly win what in that span like what was going on for you in the organization i mean it was finally like i mean this is three four years after you started and it kind of was seems like it was shifting from like this grassroots bands wearing your t-shirt kind of like indie thing to like now it's hitting the national stage it's getting the limelight what was going on for you in the organization at that time what was changing yeah you know, I don't, I don't know that the work changed all that much, but I do think people maybe began to see us differently. And, and so there was a sense of, of pride in that. Um, I feel like we, we kind of have always kept our head down and, and the message hasn't, you know, been reinvented a ton. Certainly we've grown over the years and there's, there's new ways to get involved. There's new campaigns. 
But so much of the message stayed the same, responding to people, bringing this to different environments, all of that was consistent. And then, as you said, just somehow these doors started to open and, and we were given some really incredible moments and platforms. Obviously, the probably the biggest one would be when we won a million dollars at the American Giving Awards. So what year to be that? honest, I don't, I don't think that was the end of 2011. That was December 2011. That was when all of a sudden, like I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done the math of how big you guys were at that time. But all of a sudden, when you're getting a seven-figure check and there's confetti falling on the stage and, the, you know, like, it's this big national moment. It's like, uh, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what happened? Totally. I mean, what did you all do with all that money? I mean, that was like a, almost like so, a, a pivot for the organization, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think the the moment, the, the platform, you know, it was primetime national television. I feel like in a way that was as big as, as the check, you know? Yeah. Um, I know for me, I count that as probably the moment I'm the most proud of. But uh, the the main thing, I mean, the money the money was used in a number of ways, but the single biggest one was we took our annual event, which had only ever happened in Orlando, called Heavy and Light, which you've been to. Uh, we had a dream to turn that into a tour and to bring that to people, you know, all over. And uh, we were able, I think it was 18 cities across America that we were able to visit. And so you know, from, from coast to coast and in between. And, and that was very much a dream come true to, to take a lot of musicians that we believed in, to take professional counselors, to know that every night people were leaving with a list of resources where they could get help or a friend could get help. So that was, that was the, the one time we were able to do a full-on tour. Since then, we've, we've done Orlando and Los Angeles, but, but that was the one year that we were able to kind of dream up this big tour. So... Since then, what keeps you going? This has been 10 years. This isn't about Renee. It's not about t-shirts, not about building a brand. What keeps you so passionate in this work? Yeah. Man, I, I, I'm aware of the need, you know? I, and honestly, I'm aware of the need in my own life. I, I, was, I was with you. We went to Magic Game a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I'm a person who struggles with depression and obviously I encounter people and their stories whether it's online or certainly in person at events and I, I get to meet people who say they're still alive because of this work that we do I get to meet people who say they're going to counseling for the first time um, I'm aware of my own need to be honest I'm aware of my own need for hope and help I mean I'm literally having right now to to take the steps that I'm encouraging other people to take like this this stuff is so deeply personal and um, and so I, I think I'm just thankful I'm thankful that I get to do a job where I can be honest not just in general but even honest about my own journey and my own pain um, my own need and also my own gratitude as it relates to you know things like medicine things like professionals so I, you know, and the flip side is we we meet a mom who has lost a son to suicide or lost, you know, a husband to addiction, and the things at both ends of the spectrum I think have a way of keeping us going and keeping me going and reminding us what's at stake. So if somebody's hearing this and it's just chipping away at them, that's saying like I I I've been silently struggling and I I need I need to talk to someone I need to. And they go to Trite Love on Arms website. What are they going to find? How can they? How can Trite Love help them? Yeah. So if if someone sends us a message, we will respond. If someone is really struggling, you know, in a profound way, uh, we list 
helplines. There's something called crisis text line where they can send a text and get an immediate response from a, a trained counselor. There's phone numbers as well if someone would prefer to talk on the phone. Um, we break it down by cities across America and even places outside of the U.S. where if people are looking for a treatment center, if they're looking for a counseling office, there's ways that we can help them find where to go. Um, you know, there's blogs that I think will encourage people, will let people know they're not alone. But, uh, you know, if someone was listening now, I think I would, I would just want them to know they're not alone, that they don't have to fake it, they don't have to hide. This stuff is just part of being alive. It's okay to be honest. I mean, maybe it just starts by calling a friend, calling someone nearby who could come be with you, come sit with you. Uh, it doesn't mean they know what to say. It doesn't mean you know what to say, but maybe it tells you you're not alone. And then more than anything, we do point to, to professionals. We love to point to counseling. We love to point to treatment. And I think we dream of a world without stigma. And by that, I just mean we dream of a world where if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with addiction, it's not any different than a broken leg or, or being told you have cancer. You know, no one would think twice about trying to hide those things. And, and so I think when it comes to mental health or some of these other struggles we're talking about, we dream of a world where it's just okay to talk about it and it's just okay to get whatever help you need. That was Jamie Torkowski. Stay tuned up next, another performance from Run River North. Listening to Santa Gold, Run River North uh, is a LA-based band, uh, but they just played South by Southwest in Austin, and they are now currently out on an extended cross-country tour. So you kind of can't get any further from LA than where they are right here in Orlando. Uh, check them out while they're out on the road; uh, you won't be disappointed. Without any further ado, once again, here is Run River North. in the dark with your shadow shadow hanging over me shaking the ground your footsteps footsteps calling out my name the races all of these faces keep rolling by me now I don't understand lines in my hand all look the same all look the same I think I changed my mind about a million times oh to run or hide oh to run or hide I'm gonna call this out Coming back somehow I won't run or hide 
Tearing apart, I see them breaking, breaking, but I can't let them start. So I let them in. I feel them, feel them tearing up my skin. I think I changed my mind about a million times. Oh, to run or hide, oh, to run or hide. I'm gonna call this out. Coming back somehow, I won't run or hide. I won't run or hide. Run or hide. Hide. Run or hide. The lions that you hear, you only give what you get. You're trying to keep this in. Spit it out, spit it out. The lions that you hear, you only get what you get. You're trying to keep this in. Spit it out, spit it out. Think I changed my mind about a million times. To run or hide, to run or hide. I'm gonna call this out. I'm coming back somehow. I won't run or hide. I won't run or hide. I think I changed my mind about a million times. Oh, to run or hide. Oh, to run or hide. I'm gonna call this out. I'm coming back somehow. That was Run River North. Make sure to check out their new album, Drinking from a Salt Pond, wherever music is sold or streamed. Well, uh, it's time for your feedback. Last week, it was a pressing national matter that we asked you about. Very. Joy has a car. It's a white Mazda hatchback, Mm -hmm. and they're considering going down to a one-car family. Yeah. And we thought... Much like Bodie McBoatface, <laughs> where the internet got the chance to name a sea vessel, yeah. we should ask the relevant podcast listeners slash the internet to name Joy's car, and then she'd get a decal on the car with the name that right. that is chosen. Yeah, You guys used the hashtag Joyride this week on Twitter. To, uh, Which I will say leads to a lot of different tweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. So we don't condone clicking the hashtag Joyride. Right. Uh, but you guys uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also posted some of your ideas or suggestions on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, here's a few of, of our favorite uh, ones that we saw. Chris Zwankenberg <laughs> said uh, Speed Reader uh, with like EE, right? Nice. Speed yeah. Reader. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, you know, no one will know that that's your last name. You just think you spelled it wrong, which I guess is okay. Yeah, double Dutch is an option from Seen Sounds on Twitter. Brad said, "Read for speed." Which I, I like oh, that. Read nice. for speed. Yeah, yeah. That was clever. Got to read. I got to read for speed. That's good. 
John be like they can read, but they cannot spell. Um, John Gurley had a few. He said, uh, "Sedanigans, like shenanigans, but oh, a sedan." Funny. Oh, sedanigans. Yeah, <laughs> really but it's not really a sedan. These are all from Brad. I know uh, Brad McConnell had a few of them to do yeah. that. Read for speed. Go read racer. Go Saint Gosling, <laughs> and my, my favorite slice interrupted. Oh. Evan Penn <laughs> said, uh, "Sir Whitehorse Wallace the Third. I like that. Yeah, that actually really does has a regal flair to yeah. it. Yeah. I like David Sherwood, just Carl. It's just called Carl. <laughs> just Carl. <laughs> oh, Adam Rader said, uh, Quasimodo, the hatchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> David David Sherwood also, he had a bunch. He also said, Shifty McZoom Zoom. I like that. Oh, that's nice. Uh, or Sally Shifts a lot. <laughs> I like Sally Shifts a lot. <laughs> uh, Randy Kite, Joy Wagon. Oh, David also said, like Maz that. David McZoom Zoom, the third. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then just Carl or Agnes. Someone posted a picture of themselves of their Zoom player playing a relevant podcast, which is uh, pretty impressive. We also had a pretty great uh, Danielle did a pretty great uh, relevant podcast friends parody photo that I thought was pretty accurate. Was my, great. my body looks great. I texted Chad and I was like, man, do I look in shape in this photo? Uh, Roscoe said, uh, m- just put on the back of your car, millennial vegan. You live in <laughs> Portland. and uh, Oh, yes. I did like that one. Yeah. Millennial vegan. He was trying to make a millennium falcon reference with Star Wars because it's timely. But just uh, saying that, little... just saying I'm a millennial vegan, yeah. you're good. Yeah. yeah. You get like a special <laughs> right parking in. spot in any parking lot. Yeah. You might as well just say human being in Portland. <laughs> I like the uh, uh, David Sherwood said the Maserati. Ooh, Maserati, <laughs> that's yeah. good. Uh, Brian, the Falconer, just the Falconer. Yeah, I like. I that would one. give that. I would give that car a second glance if I was driving down the road and I saw the Falconer just painted on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the Falconer. I kind of like. Um, uh, what was the Evans Evan Penn Sir oh, Whitehorse the- Wallace the Third? Mm-hmm. Sorry if you guys already said this one. Uh, Alexander Garza said Bombas Squarespace. (laughs) (laughs) Bombas Squarespace, the car. Uh, Mark Mark Rodriguez just says honky. (laughs) I like it because it's white. Yeah. Oh, very nice. And it's a car and it hogs. Double. double. (laughs) Has a lot of layers to it. Do we all have a, a vote for favorite? I think I have my favorite. So we all get to pick one and then Joy. Yeah, you guys all pick your favorites and then I'll choose from that. No, you won't. No, Chandler picks. Oh, interesting. All right, so Chandler, Eddie, what's I know your you from all my questions, but you don't know me. Chandler, listen. True. All right, Channing. Hey, while y'all are gonna... thinking about your favorites, uh, just FYI, Lauren Patterson wrote us in a little, a little uh, correction uh, about the baby on board signs. Yeah. She uh-huh. said uh, I, she thought they were ridiculous too, but then she learned that the signs were intended for first responders if you're in an accident, mm. that the first responders oh. would know to run to that car because there's a baby on board. Well, so that's smart. Which, of course, doesn't make the sense because they the, run to all the, the cars. The, the cars that pull horse trailers for veterinarians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They run oh, to, man, there's a terrible accident yeah. with horses. Get the veterinarians. Which one? Oh, thank God. That horse trailer has a sign that says horses <laughs> on board. <laughs> I mean, what about, I mean, naming the car Joyride? I mean, that's, that's that, an option. So far as, yeah. I, mean, I like my I like, favorite is just Carl, but uh, Carl. I like Read for Speed. You like Read for Speed? Yeah, I like it. Just a nice classic pun that doesn't offend anyone. Um, Joy, are you going with Sir Whitehorse Wallace the Third as your choice? Um, I like. I, I'm writing down what you guys are saying. I like Carl Read for Speed, Sir Whitehorse 
Yeah, I like all these. So, so White Horse Wallace the third, and then mine is going to be uh, Quasimodo, the hatchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> was, I kind of want. Was that, that a one suggestion, too. or did you just make that one? No, up? no, no. That was a suggestion. Okay, I read it earlier. I kind of want that one too. So you gotta, you gotta pick yours, Cameron. I, I think I want to go with the overarching theme of Joyride. Joyride. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we got Joyride. Uh, what was there? White Horse Wallace. But here's the, the thing. My my argument against Joyride. I do like Joyride, but it's now. It's going from being an actual joyride to our car. Are you so putting his name feel? on the title? So if, uh, you're, if you're not, no. it's still technically joyride. It is yeah, joyride, and he yours. needs to remember. No, yeah, and so he can be grateful. You need to flaunt the title next to me at while I drive. Yeah. Will you read yeah. him over the options one more time, Joy? Just refresh real quick, and then channel. Okay, I'm just pick. saying, if you choose wrong, this determines whether I'm nice to you or mean to you for the rest of our lives. <laughs> this is Joy's okay. DC talk. Noted. Carl is one. I like that one. That's oh, because of car. Yeah, I like Got that. It. Okay, and it's a really white name. Yeah, like the white car. Yeah, yeah. Carl. Except Carl and Winslow. Just, Carl yeah. Winslow wasn't white. True. And I just like the fact that there's a car, there's be a car driving around that just with the word Carl painted in big bold <laughs> letters I, with I, no I content. Like that too. Not big bold letters. It's a nice tasteful decal that we're gonna get. It says I Carl. I think Carl right. needs well, like, to be give, big. Give bold. It's gonna be in um, Comic Sans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want it in Comic Sans. <laughs> That's the font. Sure, Matt wants that. Yeah. Two is Reed for speed. My new last name is Reed, R-E-E-D. Yeah. Uh, three is Sir Whitehorse Wallace the Third. Uh, four is Hatchback of Notre Dame. Or what was the full thing? Uh, Quasimodo, the Hatchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, that's a that's gonna be an expensive sticker. And five is Joyride. Now, now, Channing, you get to pick anything you want. Don't let anybody influence you. Shoot from the hip. This is your decision. This is like choosing between Sh- mommy and dad. And I, kn- I know which one I want in my head. <laughs> Channing Tatum, what do you choose? Um, I'm going to go with Carl. Yes! Oh, very nice. Joy's <laughs> yeah. new, or Joy's old car is now called it's Carl. now Carl. Out of all the things on the internet, that's what we landed on. They're a family on. of three. Yeah. So Carl. really now, Eddie, we're both going to be nice to Chandler. So Jesse, yeah. that leaves you to be the one that's mean to Chandler. <laughs> yeah, well, and me, and I can tickle yeah. him. Yeah, Cameron just the Cameron will just tag team tickle him, threaten to throw him off a bridge and shoot him with a flaming arrow. Be- <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that'll do it for last week's question. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. So earlier, you know, Jesse brought the slice about the new MythBusters and how this is his dream. Jeremiah is chasing his dream of yep. making things for kids and. Jesse wants to chase his dream <laughs> of. Uh, I know you mean that in a really nice way. It just hurts so yeah, bad when you say. Yeah, because it basically just lumps you in with helps. <laughs> <laughs> that was very his, nice. That was his. That dream. was a good one to close um, on. Um, so you know, Jesse wants to audition for the new MythBusters, but we thought he needs to stand out in the audition process. That's he right. needs to send in a tape showing. A myth being busted. Yeah. So we want to know from you, what myth should Jesse bust to audition for the new Mythbusters show? And, and, and remember, like, I want this to, I want them, I would even want them to have a question of whether I should be on the show after seeing this tape. It is like, shockingly like, apparent. It is right. embarrassing yeah, that you haven't been on the show yet. Right. They right, should feel yeah. shame. Right. That's how good this so, myth has So to be. they're <laughs> watching this video Jesse sends in and they feel shame. Yeah. That's what we're going for. <laughs> and, and, and then at the end of it, we'll just be me shaming the producers. <laughs> yeah. 
which I am very used to, and it's one of the largest reasons <laughs> that I'm yeah, enjoying. Yeah, shame, shaming producers is kind of a thing I've got a lot of experience yeah. in. Enjoy your especially when you're around shameful yeah. producers a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Channing. <laughs> Hello, producers of Busters. Have you ever stolen before from McDonald's? Shame on you for shame. Why did you get a backwards tattoo? I feel sully just for having you work on something that I'm on. Shame, shame, shame. You were unemployed. You sleep now, in a piano. Now, watch me connect all these PVC pipes together and shoot a potato with hairspray. Shame on you. They're like, we want this guy? He's just yelling shame and, and made a big potato Well, gun. we figured out your tagline, which is great. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame, shame, yeah, shame, my shame. Yeah, I just look right at the camera. I turn around slow. They're like, Alice from Las Vegas. Science is cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rick from Fort Walton Beach. The answers are out there. Jesse from Virginia Beach. Shame on you. Shame. <laughs> if I, then my tape is just me shaming them for, for reasons that are never made clear and then making a giant potato gun that ends up not really working. Yeah, because it's PVC busted, and it these melts things at the don't end. Work. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I give, I give up pretty quick into the experiment. Wait, I got to buy stuff from the hardware store? <laughs> what, what happens if I put a bunch of bleach in this bucket and yeah. light it on fire. You think yeah. something cool is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. If you want to give your suggestion for the experiment Jesse should do or the myth he should bust in his audition tape, uh, hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter at relevantpodcast. Head over to audible.com right now to hear the Audible Studios production of uh, Emma Thompson reading... Uh, Henry James's Gothic Ghost Tale, The Turn of the Screw. Yeah. Ooh. yeah also, thanks to uh, Squarespace. Make sure to go to squarespace.com to start your free trial today. Uh, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks to Run River North for coming through the studio. Make sure to hear their new album, Drinking from a Salt Pond. Uh, it's out everywhere music is sold and streamed now. And thanks also to my friend Jamie Twerkowski. Congrats on 10 years of helping people and to write yeah. love. It's an awesome thing. His book, If You Feel Too Much, is out now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jamie Twerkowski. Spell it. Ch- T-W-O-R-K-O-W. S-K-I. Good job. Oh, go. homeschool. Nailed it. Come Nailed on. It. Uh, make sure to head over to realmagazine.com. Get the magazine. It's the main thing we do. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's pretty good. Our new issue, uh, there might have been some illusion in this uh, episode to what's on our next cover. Dun, dun, dun. Our next issue is going to the printer. Th- it went to the printer busters. this week. It'll be coming out <laughs> next month. So uh, we'd appreciate the support. We think you like the magazine. Realmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm going to miss Jeremiah. I'm never going to see you again. Bye, I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Joy Agrich Reed. I'm Jesse Carey. And for the last time, I am Jeremiah Dunlap. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Jesse from Virginia Beach, shame on you. Shame.